Welcome to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. You ready for Dead Happened this week, Javon? Yes, except I did no gossip, so I don't I wow. didn't have it in me. I didn't have it in me. If you don't care, they won't care. Okay. So instead, I went and came across this wow. list by this... Yardbarker.com. And it's a list of 20 iconic hip-hop party anthems. Don't care about anything I say. Just gloss over everything I say. Right. They're not ranked at all. Okay. Because they love their baby mamas. They never let them go. Okay. Well, okay. So, spoiler. That's on the list. So, really? Oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. So, we've got In the Club by 50 Cent. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. All right. Then we got Jump Around by House of Pain. Do you see In the Club being on there? Nope. Why? I am a 50 Cent hater. Oh, I can tell. It's Registered. It's in your throat? It's in Registered. your eyes? It's in, I just don't get, I honestly don't being. understand the hype. I got it at the time that the stuff was coming out. It was brand new. I got it then because it was catchy and it was cute. But it, I, I felt like, in my opinion, I wasn't there for the lyrics. I was there for the beat. And the beat is by Dre. Also, I didn't like how he handled his relationships with Dre and Eminem, who brought him onto the scene in the first place. Yeah, and then he randomly had beef with Ja Rule. It, yeah. did, it didn't make any sense. Okay, yeah, that's because that's how he made his niche into the, that's how he got into the, the, rap, the rap game. It was bizarre. By going after big rappers at the time. Who was the other one he went after? Jay-Z. Really? But Jay-Z said a line of, I'm about a dollar, who the hell is 50 Cent? And he never really talked about him after that. As he shouldn't, because he's less than him. And so. that's pretty much how Jay-Z, I guess, mentioned him that one time. Uh-huh. He blew up off of that, really. Uh, who else did? The game did the same thing, too. But that's neither here or there. I do remember the game and him going back and forth. But also, Cause no game, offense to the game. He used to be part of G-Unit. G-Unit! But back to the list. Is anybody in G-Unit still rele- relevant? No. Extra, okay. And G-Unit was 50 cents, right? Yeah. Okay. Young Buck. Uh, another guy. Another guy. I will say, as much as I dislike 50 cents. Tony Yeo. I can't hate on his business acumen. Lloyd Banks. I finally got them all out. Yeah. That's Lloyd awesome. Banks? Yeah. Huh. But um, who's, what's what's the next song on this list? Oh, okay. You said Jump Around. Jump Around by House of Pain. Okay. Uh, did not know they were all white men. Uh, I didn't either. Because when I first saw the video, I'm like, why did shooting a video in this Irish pub with all these white people? When did Jump Around come out? I know it was the nineties. Like the early nineties. You, you think it was like ninety five? Ninety three, ninety four. Okay, we get down. Okay, we get down. I feel like it was ninety six. Jump around. Jump, jump, jump. Jump, jump, jump. That's how you sing this song, Kyle. Jump, jump, jump. Oh shoot, you're right. Ninety two. I told you. All right, so that's on the list. California Love by Tupac featuring Dr. I Dre. I don't. I don't know why. I don't. When that's played in the club, I don't want to dance. Because you're a California hater. That's why. No, I just don't want to dance. You're a California hater. This plays sure. all the time in California clubs. No surprise. No shock there. It also plays out here. California is like New York. You love your own stuff. Too too much. I don't know about too much. Just because yes. you don't like it doesn't mean we can't love it. I don't understand. That's, yeah. Everything, uh, everything yeah. you do is not good. Everything you do is not good. It's that's also not bad. Uh only in your, you guys' eyes. That makes no sense. 
So yeah. you don't like Tupac? Okay. No, Good to know. I, I love Tupac. Good to know. I just didn't. Don't you know he reps is, California hard. I'm not really sure why, but he did. He repped it very hard. I'm just saying, I don't think this is a dance. I want to dance Whatever. song. Calvin is on record as being a Tupac What's hater. The That's next fine. Because we're never going to get over this. Get low. By Lil John and the East Side Boys. Of Bowie, course. Featuring Ying Yang Twins. Of course. Who's the East Side Boys? I, they always said that. I never knew who they were. Who are they? You remember the uh, documentaries uh, watching with the dude with the gasoline, drinking out the gasoline? That's one of the East Side Boys. Okay. His crunk juice? Yes. Yeah. I don't know his name. Are any of them relevant? Did any of them take no. off on their own? No. Okay, well. Of course not. All right. Get your freak on by Missy Elliott. Okay. Yeah. I feel like this isn't the song to have as a party anthem from her, though. Uh Work it. I leave the glass of water. Work it to be better. Work it would be better. Oh, um, what's that one? The other one she got. Oh, the one with the girl dancing. DJ Coop, pick up your yeah. phone. Pat- I want a request line. Then it's past that Dutch. Past that Dutch. That's a better song. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Even Gossip Folk is better than this, in my opinion. I'm going to be ish. I ain't got to say ish. Anyway, that's on there. Uh, Party Up by DMX. I love baby mama. I never let her go. That's my favorite part of that whole song. Clearly. And that's the only part of the song everybody knows. Also accurate. Lean Back by Fat Joe and Remy Ma. Yeah, for the gangsters. That's the only reason that song will be on here. I don't know any other Fat Joe song. I have never twerked to that song. Did, did you ever oh, own I, a I'm Fat sorry. Joe album? Uh, pause. I never had a girl twerk on me into that song. Lean Back. Have you ever? It's not a twerk song. That's what I'm saying. You literally have to lean back. That's what I'm saying. This is just for the gangsters. Have you ever owned a Fat Joe album? No. I had. A, I got a couple of songs. Okay. All right. I only know that one. I couldn't tell you what another one was. I think the Lean Back remix is actually more of a party song than this one. Who's on the remix? Eminem and Mace. Mace? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, okay. Why you let Mace, Mace killed it. And Eminem so, killed it. You don't have a problem with Harlem. You don't want a problem with I got a conversation Bronx. with somebody who said that Mace is an under, underrated rapper. And yes. I was like, yes. Mace. Yeah. The guy who could fall yeah. asleep. That one? That yeah. one. Mace. And he's like, Mace. he's actually Mace really good. Mace got bars. <laughs> Mace got bars. <laughs> That's what he said. He said lyrically, he's actually Mace really good. I was said, okay. either number two or number three in that bad boy click. Who else was in the click? I only know Mace. Uh, Biggie? Little Kim. Biggie. He's in the top three. And who they else? Had little C's in it? had Junior Mafia. Uh, they had Junior little, Mafia uh, was part of Rob. Black Bad Rob. Boy? Yeah. Black Rob. Um probably that's one other person. I, I don't, don't know. know these names. Yeah. I'm still confused that Junior Mafia whoa. was part of Bad Boys. He did Whoa. Black Rob did Whoa. I don't know what that is. All right. If you hear it, you know it. But All anywho, right. back to the list. I only know Like Whoa, which is a song. Okay, I listened to by that Maya. Later. No, I think you got she, me like whoa. She got it. She got that whole thing from him, though. Sure. All right. Next one is not tonight. Ladies' night remix by Little Kim, featuring all of the rappers from the '90s that were women. This is for Little Kim. That song. Left is Eye. Missy Elliott. Pretty much. Angie Martinez opens it. The brats on it. Thank you for the rundown. You're welcome. Queen Latifah. Missy Elliott. Thank you. MC Light? No. Okay, then it's not every female. But she was in the hook. Like when they did the music video, she shows up in the music video. Whatever. Um, This is for the ladies. That's all. I loved it. It was so good. 
Um, Hot in Here by Nelly. Hot I don't. Her. Again, I get confused with this song and country grammar. I think I'm they sorry. both start the same way. If you're gonna say this, you say Hot in Her. It hot says her. Hot in H E R R E. Hot in Her. I don't. I don't. Ooh, do you think him and Asante are still dating? Probably. They're supposedly back together. I wonder if it's for reals. Whatever. Moving on. What's okay. the next one? Move by Ludacris. Move, bitch. Yep, yep, yep. I feel like... That's what it, for the, for the uh, thugs and gangsters do. Oh, what's the other song that I'm thinking of of his? There's one where, like, he's, like, talking to shoes in the music video. Like, mean mugging shoes. And then he's got big ladies that come out and they, they slow walk with him down the street. But it's not to move. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> it's another song of his. Is it Get Back? I want to say it's called Get Back. Get Back, motherfucker. You don't know. You don't know me wow. like that. Get Back, motherfucker. You I don't know you me like that. I think you just want to say that so you can curse. That's the hook. I just think you want to curse. While you fool you know around, I, I gotta... take one more Why? move out and you'll Why? touch the ground. Why do? How does? What's the name of the song? Just forget this song. Why every time we start talking about hip hop songs, you get really thuggish? How is it oh, thuggish? Uh, what you call it? Uh, when the girls get real hoodish, you get real hood. How? You're 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 from Mayberry, really. You're not right. So how can I get hood? But you, I don't know what happens. Somebody jumps in your body. I need you, you to get real tell ratchet. me the name of this song. I, I know I, you know it. I don't know the song you're talking about. DP, while you're fooling around, I take one this. small move and you'll touch the get ground. Get back. Get back, motherfucker. You don't know me like that. And then they repeat Once it. Once again, this is what I'm talking and they, about. <laughs> they repeat you it. You get real ratchet when you do hip hop. Get back. We're no longer doing hip hop on this, on this, like on this thing anymore. We're not going to do these things I came. Anymore. I can't deal with I this person. I saw. I hit him right there in the jaw. Whatever. Let's move on. Um, what's the next song? I need song? to know the name of this song now. We, we, I'll tell you later. Calvin. I don't know at the top of my head. Calvin. Yes. I don't want to talk okay, about well, your, you. Okay, well, then you. Get ratchetness. The next one is Pastor Cavassier while I look up the rest of the song. That's my jump. That's my jam right there. So okay. what's the next song? I need to look up this ludicrous song because it's going to thrive oh, me crazy. God. So how are we just, we just we all just going to have to drive wait? Me. It is called Get Back. Thank you. It's called Get Back. Thank you. Okay. Now, what's next on the list? I think that song should be in here, not move. Anyway. Okay. Next one is We Fly High by Jim Jones. Who cares? Well, no one cares. Exactly. Annie Up is the next one, which I feel is just a fight song. Yeah. That's but I get it. The energy is for there. For the thugs. It's, it's, it's the black version of a mosh pit. Correct. Yes. I once was on my way to work, stopped by McDonald's, right, to get a little breakfast. The car in front of me, which was a Jeep Wrangler from the 90s was they put in their order and they were pissed because the mcdonald's employees i guess didn't answer fast enough to their liking this song comes on on the radio and they turn it up and the whole wrangler is bouncing and his hand is shooting out of it like singing to the song pulls up to the window raps the lyrics to the person at the window snatches their food and then later shortly after that the bag goes right back through that window because apparently they were missing something Speeds off. Yep, Annie that up. song would do that to you. Um, yeah, this is when you're, I was in your little neck of the woods. When we went to the little club in your neck of the woods. Uh-huh. And these little wannabe thugs started Annie up and mosh pit to the song. What was, was the song they actually linked up to? Probably a little John sing, uh, song. Your boy, what's his face? Uh, got in the, in the middle of a circle with three other dudes. They all linked pinkies. No, don't start no stuff, won't be no stuff. I guess. Little John. I guess. 
I think in your head it's playing one way, and out of your mouth it's something else, and you don't recognize it. They're calling me. Okay. Next song is Blow the Whistle by Too Short. Of course it should be on there. I feel... I, I love it. I can't believe this came out in Women 2006. lose all their inhibitions when the songs come on. I can't believe this came out in 2006. I thought this was much yes, earlier. They will dance their panties off when the song come off. Ooh. Great for me. Bras, everything out. Next one is Whatever by Remy Ma. Shit, but nakedness. What? What's the next song? Whatever by Remy Ma. Okay. Right. When I try to live my past to the songs that whatever. I'm listening to and like on this list, we just gloss over minds. First of well, all, you gotta listen to your whole diatribe. First of all, you scolded me and said that I'm too hood. Apparently, I'm too black when we do these songs. No. So I gotta tone down my blackness. No. no. So I didn't no. respond in case no. I was going to be ratchet. No. Yeah, you got real ratchet. That's all I'm saying. You just want to cuss the cuss. It's it's the lyrics to the song. You got a potty mouth. We need to talk about it's that. It's the lyrics to the song. You have a very right. potty mouth. Next one is Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg. Okay. I also see why don't care. I see why eh, that's on here. Eh, it's so slow. Tell Me When To Go by E-40. Okay. Makes sense. This one makes sense. Bottom, 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 bottom. Tell me what it is. Was this the song everybody was dancing in their cars to? Remember they used to let the car roll real slow? Yeah. Ghost wide do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bottom, bottom. Ugh. That's my favorite part. It's so crazy. Uh, two of America's Most Wanted. I, I, I don't, don't know, know why that's song. on here. I don't know this song. That doesn't make me want to dance. Well, the other ones are, are gang, or like like you said, they're fight songs. They're, they feel like a hood or whatever. This makes you want to shoot somebody. Okay. <laughs> that's why I don't understand why it's on here. Maybe the lyric ain't nothing but a gangster party, which is like everybody knows it's that. It's a simple beat. It's a simple beat. All right. No hands, I walk a flock of flame. Yeah, it. Uh, I thought you said you were looking up lyrics to this man. Uh, Girl, the way you moving got me in a trance. I thought you were going to do it. play that song. I thought you could do your favorite part of the Do the it song. with no hands. I don't care. Girl, drop it to the floor. I love the way your booty go. Okay. I thought she was going to do Listen it. to these tracks, bitch. Like I said, the very None of those are the words. I don't think Calvin's listened to the song. That's ever. how he sounds. That's how he sounds. But you know what? I get why this is a party anthem, though, because it's a feel-good song. It's mm. high tempo. I don't like it because, cool. once again, another song with women lose their inhibitions, titties come out, booty. All that ass in them jeans. And you as a guy, you just got to stand there. You don't have to dance or nothing. She will use you as a pole at that point. You're so crazy. And then last but not least is Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill, which recently listened to because I had never heard of this song. I get it. I get the hype. It takes a little bit for you to get to where you're like, maybe party anthem, but I liked it. Song makes me angry. That's a, Annie Up doesn't make people angry? Annie Up makes me happily want to throw move? somebody into the wall. Move? Doesn't no. make anybody angry? It happily makes me want to throw somebody in a, in a, in a fleet of The joy. Sweet Tea Uprising used that as their anthem song. I know. That's what I'm saying. It makes me want to throw somebody in a... In a, in a I'm just saying. That, that's the same effect of Dreams and Nightmares. Same same effect. Uh, Dreams and Nightmares just make me angry. angry. It's so crazy. All right, so then we, we ranked it ourselves because Calvin is a music completionist. Uh, so we both have Get Low as number one. Yes. Number two, you got Annie Up. Yeah. I got Blow the Whistle. Okay. Number three is Blow the Whistle for you. Mm-hmm. Number three for me is Pasica Vossiers. Okay. 
Buster. Uh, party up is your number four. Mm-hmm. Move, get out the way is my number four. Mm-hmm. My number five is uh, lean back. Your number five is no hands. Yep. Oh god, Ugh. it's important. Number six is Cali love for you. Yes. Heart and her for me. Gross. Six. Gross. Uh, seven. You got jump around. Of course you would. Yeah, I do really That's, like that song. You, you are. We were born in white mosh pits. Um, Correct. Number seven is drop it like it's hard. Gross. Drop it like it's hard. It's so slow. Uh, eight is not tonight, ladies. Ladies' night for yes. you. Tell me where it goes. Number eight for me. Okay. Number nine is whatever for you. Yes. In the club for me. Okay. Number nine. Gross. And 10 for you is Dreams and Nightmares. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. Wow. I really liked it. Okay. Over past Cavassier. What's number 10 for you, Calvin? Uh, Annie Up. Okay. That makes me want to throw that, people in the Wow in the to job. you. Wow to you. Annie yeah. Up's that low on your list? Yeah, it makes me want to throw some people in, 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 a, in happiness into a wall. Or punch him, whichever one comes first. Wow. Um. Wow. Nightmares made a big jump. It did. So when we first did this list, night nightmares, dreams of nightmares was like nineteen. Was for both of us. It was the bottom. <laughs> it moved to number <laughs> ten we for her. Heard it off one of one listen. I really like it when wow. it switches. It's really yeah. cool. So what three songs, if you could add to this list, would would you add? Oh, okay. Let me let me flex here real quick. Um, for me, it would be "Let's Go" by Trick Daddy. Also, "Pull Over" by Trina. Also, "Scarred" by Uncle Luke. And trick daddy hydraulics they're Scar. all out of Scar. florida <laughs> hydraulics uh, i love that song. for me shaker like a soft shaker mm-hmm. shaker like a soft shaker no john shake that monkey okay by uh the one called too short and uh-huh. little john okay uh box that monkey loop down to the floor Kirk that monkey all the way to the that's what girls do when that song come on. Let me tell you. Fond mm-hmm. memories of that song in the club. Uh-huh. And my last one would be, of course, we got to go with the one that started it all, Back That Ass Up. Juvenile. That yeah. is a classic. We got to go with that. It is. You people can't, you people can't, will drop what they're doing into the dance floor. You're correct. You cannot have a dance song. Correct. A hip-hop dance anthem, absolutely. Without Back That Ass Up. That's you just so can't, true. You can't have a list without that song. That's true. If you have a list without that song, it's not a real list. <laughs> there boom, you go. Boom, 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 boom. Lose their goddamn minds. <laughs> a lot of dance memories on the dance floor to that, too. <laughs> I still don't know what the words are. Girl, you look good. Would you back that ass? Up? You're fine, mom. Would you back that ass? Up? That's Call the, me Pip Daddy when you back chorus. that ass. Up. Girl, you play with back that ass. Up. I then... know you can't stand it. Dick Bandit. Unlanded, single draws handed. Uh, uh, impressed, impressed. Uh, uh, that was impressive. Took me back to my 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 younger my hoish days. Impressive. Took me back to my hoish days, my younger days. Impressive. Um, yeah, get low got me almost got me into a fight. I still don't know why. It's not even one of the fight songs. So, um, it was this young lady who was, I guess, the hottest in the club at the time. According she, to who? Herself? No, according to all the other guys in there who wanted to try to holler at her. What? Uh, you you took a poll? You talked to all the dudes in here? She walked in. Every dude. She didn't even get in the club yet. Every dude was trying to talk to her. Interesting. Like, hollering to her. 
She was like, no, no, thank you. And then she got called a lot of bitches and hoes because she didn't want to talk to them, even though she just got in the club. Okay. I had talked to her. She's like, no, right. I'm like, okay, thank you. But then cussed her out, moved on, got me some drinks, me and my boys, getting it feeling good. She got some drinks in her. Get Low came on. Her and her friends lost her mind. We went to the dance floor, started dancing. And then my boy's like, watch yourself. All I hate is it's it's palpable right now. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I ended up dancing with the cutest girl in the club. We had, ended up hitting it off, talked the whole night, actually. That's lovely. Off that Get Low song. When did this occur? Because I also was in the club around the time that Get Low was out, Calvin. So when did this happen? Way before you. Couldn't have been that far. Yeah, that's way before you. Get Low came out the summer that y'all came back. Before you. And then before you had to go back out on deployment. It was before you. How? Let's not do this on a on. on How, air. Calvin? You told on yourself. How? Oh, God, this is before you. Oh, How? I forgot you're jealous. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lord. This is before you. Mm-hmm. Moving on. All right. Do you like that? Because we like that. Listen to us on all podcast platforms, especially Spotify. Interact. Do all the things. Because you know we like that. It's that time again. Time for 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. 90 Day Fiance. We- we gotta be wrapping up soon. We gotta be almost out of episodes. We got we got to be. And do you think they're gonna do a tell? With no hands? Yes. And listen to these tracks, bitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course they are. So let's go ahead and they do one all the time anyway, don't they? I don't know about the before the ninety days. I know they definitely do it during the regular ninety day fiance series. But do they do it for before the ninety days? Uh I think so. I think they'll, they'll, they always have a tell-all. We'll find out. I hope yeah. they have one for this one because uh, I just want to see what's going on with Razman and Amanda. That's all I care about. The Raz. Ooch, ooch, ah, 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 van. <laughs> okay. And then they fiance. Let's kick off with Riley and Violet. Um, They are the couple that just really needs to break up at this point. Just break up. End it. For all, everybody's sanity, please. For the love of men. Anyway. Wow. You have this in, in blind person font. It's not in blind person font. These words are big. You printed it like this. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Riley and Violet need to do what we do. We need to break up. Isn't that right? You said do what we do. Yeah, break up. To make up. That doesn't make sense. Because make up sex is so great. That's gross. You're going to give me lectures about (laughs) who listens to this podcast, and you're going to do that. I'm pretty sure she's not listening anymore. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. She said this. She probably threw a lot of holy oil on this, on her uh, phone. Ma'am, if you are listening, please Prayed know that it. it's not me. It is your nephew. Thank you so kindly. All right. I dropped it to the No, that's uh, no homo. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey, you're back to Riley and Violet. Okay. Uh, that went left real fast. Riley and Violet yeah. are the garbage couple uh, that's in Vietnam. Uh, Riley, this is the same guy who got ghosted by somebody, and he's been carrying all of the baggage and heartache from his previous relationships into his new one. To be honest with you, I would like to know this person who ghosted him like this. I, I want to high-five her. I for you. Know. Save I, yourself. I want to know why. You know why. That's... You know why. You... you. It's not a mystery. No one can... 
scare you so bad to the yes. point where you just want to disappear off the face of the earth. I don't know about scared, but I can absolutely see and like I, it's not even worth it. Well, you're right. You're ready. That's that's scared. Scared is the wrong word. Um, I can absolutely be in. Be, I could absolutely see being like. There's further communication is not going to fix anything. So I'm I'm out. I'm gone. Someone made you so upset or angry that you literally disappeared off the face of the earth. Listen. You said, forget friends, forget family. If I got kids, forget them too. I'm going to disappear. I don't know about that if she's missing kids. ever. But maybe she told friends and family. Or maybe friends and family were like, we'll hide, we'll hide you. We'll sneak you out. Maybe she's in Antarctica. Working in a... Maybe she is. In a uh, lab not known by anybody. Listen, Riley is the guy who needs to overstand, not understand, apparently. Um, you overstand? He, he blames... Violet, is it Violet? Yeah. Violet. Blames Violet for a lot of things. He feels like she is shady and not honest and hasn't been very transparent about where she's at in their relationship. She, he also doesn't appreciate that she called him ugly to his face and to the tailor when mm. he was getting his outfits. Apparently, she also has been texting his father bad things about him. Um, and when we last caught up with them, it was right after the terrible idea of Riley's to have Violet talk to his best friend, who he deems his sister. She and that conversation went left so quickly. Apologize and so fast. for that stuff. So I don't know why he keeps harping on it. <laughs> it just... But I digress. Anyway, so now after he's had a talk to with his tour guide. About the cultural customs of Vietnam. Let her repeat that. He had a talking with a who? <laughs> His tour guide. He got on a motor. Was it? Well, I don't even think it was a motorcycle. It felt very much like a moped. But anyway, he looked real suspect on the back of that. He bike. was super excited to do this little day tour, and then invited his tour guide back for drinks, which was very interesting. Which is really weird. Again, <laughs> in itself. See, I honestly think he was just trying to be friendly. He makes me want to disappear forever. But he, he gives this tour guide way too much information about his relationship with Violet. Everybody and the gives tour guide too much sides with Violet. information on this show. The tour guide's like, that's not how it works here. Like, that, it wouldn't have, if you had told anybody from Vietnam to jump on the phone with your best friend, who you deem a sister, and they just ran into interrogation like that, they would have been like, why is this conversation happening? I don't understand. He didn't go to a specialist for this information, ladies and gentlemen. He went to his tourist. Tour his guide. tour guide. Um, so Riley's like, I've seen the error of my ways, and he's here with an apology for Violet. At first, Violet's like, I don't want to hear anything. Like, so this is... basically, he needed somebody to man explain it to him. Yeah, even though Violet said the exact same thing to him several times, he needed he needed a man to be like, Nah. Violet's whole thing was, if I was in the states, I understand, I get it, I'm there, right? I get to see them face to face. They see me face to face. They interrogate me or ask me questions. I get it, right? I'm not there, right? So I don't understand why I have to answer all these questions now. Right. Especially if we're not going to be together in the future. Right. Possibly. For what? So anyway, he comes and meets her at like a little cafe. It's a very cute little bakery place. Brings nice flowers. And yeah, and he's like, he says he's coming with an apology. But I feel like it was all in say because the rest of that goes down very weirdly. He says they butt heads all the time, but that they're good together. They are not. Violet arrives, um, and she doesn't want to really talk to him. She says she unblocked him because they both block each other on all their socials. She's unblocked him um, and agreed to come meet him. Then 
Uh, Violet says that this is Riley's last chance. Makes me wonder how many times she has said that. He gives her flowers. He says it's as an olive branch, but she's just very quiet and withdrawn. Uh, and then he concedes that he recently better understands her culture and realizes how he went about having his friend interrogate her over the phone at dinner. Wasn't the best move. Things that make you go, hmm. Which is basically bullying her. Um, but he didn't. Okay. He didn't learn his lesson. No. Violet tells him she she felt really thrown and overwhelmed and wasn't protected by him and the whole ordeal. You know, she feels like this little apology he's given her is not sincere enough, which I get. Riley's like, really? You don't think this is sincere? And this is when it goes off the rails for me. Riley then goes into blame mode and he's like, oh, really? Really? It's not sincere? It's not genuine? So, um, so then he says, so let me ask you, is there anything you think you could have done differently? He asks her if the whole conversation is going to be about how he's wrong. She goes, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And he has another come to Jesus moment with himself about, see, she's still not taking any responsibility for what the play, part she played in. What part did she play in? Calling your friend on the phone during what? a dice dinner? What kind of apology is this? Were you expecting for her to apologize to you? Because then yes. that's yes. that isn't a sincere apology. Yes. I'm confused. Yes, exactly what he expected. He Good expected gravy. to say sorry, and he expected her to say sorry too. The worst. And then he's like, "How can we move forward? How can we move past this?" Honestly, I don't think they should. But um, he says he then throws at her that he feels she's hiding things and she's a liar and she's shady. This is all in the aside. It's not to her face. Uh, Violet explains that she doesn't have a strong grasp of the English language. English is her second or third language. So when she gets really upset, it's hard for her to translate all of her thoughts into English for him to understand the nuance and the context of things. She's told him that 9,000 times. Riley looks like he's never heard this before in his life. And then (laughs) Riley's like, okay, well, maybe we can use a translator for the bigger questions that we have so that we can... He's, you know, try to communicate a little bit better. Still doesn't do it. Nope, still doesn't. They still get into it. Violet then says she just wants to be with somebody who's going to value her and protect her, which, I mean, that's fair, but I don't know why she thinks Riley is this person. Uh, And then they decide to give it another go because they hate each other and they're sadists. No. Uh, It's a saying. I can't remember the saying. Uh Make up to break up? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what they what they do. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, immediately, Riley immediately Riley is doubtful of Violet's honesty, but he says he's going to give her the benefit of the doubt. What's happening? Why do you keep giving benefits of a doubt if you don't trust anything? If your go to every time is that she's not doing something to your standard, why are you still here? And I'm still giving benefits of a doubt. Oh my god! Anyway, every he, time he says he's going to put his questions to the side, which we know doesn't last very long. And try to enjoy his time with Violet. That's not going to last very long. He keeps saying the same thing. He's like a a CD that skips. Yes. And you can't, no matter how much you clean it or lick it, it keeps skipping. Lick it? Yeah, sometimes. Lick it? Spit cleans a lot of things sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Spit is a good adhesive sometimes. Uh, Yeah. Then uh, Violet takes him to a, a Buddhist temple the next day. Or was it the same day? Doesn't matter. Does it matter? Does not matter. She takes him to a Buddhist temple. This is why he had to get his outfit that she got tailor-made for him so that he was dressed up for the temple. And it's actually really beautiful. They go and do a prayer for 
their families and to better understand each other. And then later they go kite flying, which is very popular out and there. And then that goes terribly, terribly wrong, doesn't it? Yes. And while they're flying their kite, Violet asks him about, you know, the eventual move she's supposed to be making because their, their plan is that they're going to get engaged and she's going to move to the States with her girls to be with him. She asks him if he can financially provide for her and the girls. I think the way she wanted to answer it, exit, she couldn't figure out how to say it in American. So it comes off as if she's trying to get into his pocket. What she says directly is, how much money do you have in the bank? Which, again, if she's trying to translate, like, how financially stable are you from Vietnamese to English, I feel like it'd be a direct translation. How much money do you have in the bank? Anyway, he's on, he's on alert again. Riley asked, but instead of really answering her, he gives her an answer. I think he says he has about a hundred thousand. He says he has a hundred thousand in the in yeah. the bank, which is not a lot, unfortunately, in this day and age. You can blow through that pretty quickly. I'm amazed at these people when they grab people from overseas to come over and they ask them certain questions about their economic status. Uh-huh. They get offended, like, "Oh, you just want your money?" No, I need to know because I'm coming over there. And I don't want to leave here struggling to go over there and struggle when I know it's damn near impossible to make it over there struggling. My struggle over there is going to be thousands of times worse than exactly. it is where I'm at and right to, now. I don't know the language. It's going to make it even worse. I don't know nobody. Right. And on two, I may be bringing baggage or luggage with me, as in I'm bringing kids. dependence with me. Absolutely. Dependence with me. Yeah. So me asking this question is not me trying to get in your pockets. It's me trying to figure out. Is this feasible or not? Is it going to work? Or do I need to save up what I can, uh-huh. which not going to equate to much when I get over there, mm-hmm. but do I need to start thinking about stuff over here? Right. Getting stuff ready. Or do you need to come over here? Right. If your money's not going to go that far over there, maybe you should come here. I already have an established job. I got an established place, and my girls are already in their lives here. But that's none of that gets translated because Riley's just like, well, you know what? Since we asking questions, what about the text you've been sending my dad? It has nothing to do with his financial status or, or what we were talking about two seconds ago. And also, this is one of the questions he said he was going to put to the side, which is now out in the open. Because she asked about the financials, so that it's all <laughs> go from here. Riley wants to know if she feels bad about doing this behind his back. And I love that her response was, no. <laughs> no. I said what I said. And? Next question. But I love that. All of his problems he made himself. Agreed. She gave her the number to his, her father. Yes. His father. Also, in in her culture, going through the parents is what you do as part of the communications about the issues in your relationship. It's another thing I keep saying about people not understanding other people's cultures. It uh just eye rolls people thinking all day. That they can Americanize other people's culture and it just goes I, away. Eye rolls all day. She's in an established career. She's been raising her kids. Her whole life is in Vietnam. You want her to take all of that out to come to America for what? But you don't think that she has the right to ask some of these questions or to adapt her culture to yours? You did, did you ask any questions about her culture? Clearly not. The worst. Anyway, that's them. Goofy, goofy. She tells him that he kills her feelings, which, yes, agreed. Because even if she was like, I don't know where this is coming from. I've told you 80,000 times <laughs> this is the reasoning behind it. He's still going to ask and bring it up again and again and again. I need you to tell me 81, 
Because he needs to overstay. Not understand. He's the worst. Anyway, and she could do better. She needs. To, she's also the worst for wanting to stick with this. Come on, girl. Anyway, I don't think she has any other options. She does. I don't think she wants to take the risk with other options. This is the toxicity she knows, kind of a deal. So then we got ja- Gino and Jasmine, and I really want to blur past them because uh, who cares? You just want me to. So Gino and Jasmine are in a happy space right now for the time being, until Jasmine tells Gino. She doesn't want to have kids. Oh, would he still be with her if he, he wants? He asked her if she wants to do yeah. kids. He asks her, do you want to have kids? And she goes, what if I tell you no, and I don't want to, and I'm happy not having kids? So Gino's like, I want to have kids at some point. I guess she's on the pills or whatever. Birth control. Birth control. And I guess now's the fear of hers because he's finally uh, whatever. With her now, pleasuring himself to the fullest with her now. Completion, coming to completion. Yes. Yeah. Skeet, skeet, skeet. I guess with she her now. She didn't have to worry about it before because they didn't get that far. But exactly. Now. But now I guess it's on her mind. So basically, they're at a crossroads now. Gino trying to figure out does he want to be with her, even though she doesn't want a child. I don't think that's going to change. But they're not going to break up, so it doesn't even matter. Here's the other thing: she's older. She's thirty-nine. He's in his 50s. Granted, also, who knows what the state of his boys are for him to even have a baby. My boys are good. Thank you very much. I don't, we don't even know that. So, yeah, you do know that. But also, she's older. So, you like, know, her carrying... You want to know? Ask Jasmine. Her carrying to term yeah. waka, waka, comes, waka. To, comes with all kinds of increased risks if it even gets that far. If she's even ovulating still. She's not going to do it. She doesn't want to do it. I agree with her. She also brings up like the financial components of things. Like she's trying to get over there and bring her either both of her sons or one of her sons. So she's like, are we going to be able to cover all of that? Me being there, my son being there, being in a brand new place and then add a baby on top of that. On top of our issues that we have going on already. That seems like a lot of pressure. Which for Jasmine is a very lucid and honest statement but who knows shall see nothing's gonna change moving on to david and sheila yes david sheila and her son john real are about to have a family day at the beach johnny rail john rail oh (laughs) gotta be uh filipino yeah yes you're so crazy anyway um they're all there, and they're with the interpreter as well. And Sheila's trying to get her son and David closer. She would like them to bond a little bit more. But there's clearly, you know, a communication bar because David yeah. signs, and John Rell doesn't know how to do that at all. But to David's credit, he figures out how to interact with John Rell anyway. They try to have like a little conversation with the interpreter, but it doesn't go too far because John Rell's really shy and doesn't know what to say. But then David gets him to... Play a bunch of hand games with him. They do like the hand slap game. They do thumb war. It was that really cute. sounded kind of dirty at first. Okay. But it was very cute. Because John Real like starts the thaw. And it's really cute. And then they have a really great day at the beach. He's like literally playing with him. And then we hear from sounded Sheila. Sounded kind of dirty too. We hear from Sheila that he doesn't really talk to his dad. Like at all. He doesn't really have a relationship with his father. So it's nice for her to see John Real bonding. With another like male figure, especially since it's a her fiance, essentially. Yep. 
So she's really happy with all of that. They take cute little photos. And then they go to the restaurant and yeah. questions start getting asked. Yes. So. And they leave the beach, but it's real quiet on the beach. It's not super quiet. They actually had a good time leaving the beach. It's when they get to the restaurant that it takes a, a shift. Because then she like talks. She's talking to David about her uh, you know, impending move. Uh, she asks David if he feels up to be a father for John Rowe. And he's like, yeah, yeah, man. And then she's like uh, asking her son if he'd like to move to America. And he's like, hard no. No. Nope. He says he's going to miss his family. He's going to miss his friends. Uh, and then Sheila is trying to talk him through it. She's like, it's going to be a big change. It'll be a little different. And David jumps in. He's like, you know, you'll be you'll have access to all kinds of education, yada, yada, yada. I don't like know why that little boy is thinking about it. That, exactly. I don't, that's not really an angle that this kid is like really, really prioritizing. Then she talks to David about whether or not he'll be able to take care of them financially in the States. So it's another financial conversation. Um, and basically, David says that he'll do what he got to do. He'll provide how he needs to provide, because just like Violet, Sheila recognizes that even if she goes to the States, it's going to be a minute before she can. she's eligible to even work there. It's going to be a while. Also, given her background, what she's going to be eligible to do may not be that high in terms of compensation. So she has that conversation with David, and they kind of leave it in the air. And then we've got Nicola and Misha. Nicola and Misha. So Nicola is, takes Misha to fishing. Misha completely ignores him every direction he gives her no he she doesn't ignore him to the point where she almost kills herself no they're so they're they're fishing in the mediterranean sea yes it's first of all it's beautiful secondly that current is strong she says she was a lifeguard but apparently she forgot about currents entirely because she doesn't listen he told you look this ain't a pool this ain't a lake this is the actual ocean. He does tell her she's going out too far. And she's like, I got this. And then her legs get swept out from under her. She bangs those legs up at all those rocks. And when she stands up, she's bleeding. And he's like, oh, my gosh. We got to go. We got to leave. No, we're good. I'm like, I don't want to notice how infected this water is. Just she, because it's golden girl, blue. She's like, it's just a, cu- a couple of cuts. It's fine. He's like, no, we need to put medicine on this and patch this up. We got to go. We got to go. And he manages to get her back to the beach where he patches her up. And he says, no more fishing for Misha. But honestly, you get to see those cuts. And it's like, those aren't little cuts, girl. What? 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 Anyway. So they get into talking about her finally going to meet his family. Yes, because he hasn't told them at all that the whole seven years he's been talking to her, that he's been seeing this woman seriously. At all. Has he really been seeing or just talking? They count it as being in a relationship. So it was serious. Yes. Okay. That's how his family takes it. That Not that it's serious, but as Calvin's flipping attitude. So, basically, the whole time, Misha is, like, really, she's asking to get, like, some, some validation and some reassurance that it's going to go as well as he can manage it. But Nicola's like, my mother's going to hate you. She's going to cuss you out. It's not going to be good. Don't have high expectations for this. Like, my the entire time. She's going to hate your guts. Basically. She's like, she, no, she's not. Uh, yeah, she is. She hates my guts. So she's he's, he's like, listen, too. you've got so many hits against you. You're a divorcee. You're an American. You're old. You're not a virgin. You're old. He's like, they're not going to like you. 
that Nicola admits that he he's basically going to be dropping all this information on them at one time. And so it's just going to be his mom and his brothers. And they they didn't even know that he was seeing anybody for the last seven years. How would you know he stays in the basement all day? <laughs> Misha's hoping that Nicola will be proud of being with her after the whole little meetup. Uh, but Nicola's like, listen, I'm already proud to be with you, but my family's going to hate you. I think his family hates him. <laughs> I agree. I think that's what it is. So he's pushing his projection of his family of him on her. It's it, it comes and I don't think they thought he was alive. They thought he died in that basement. No, they ago. knew exactly where he was. No, I don't think so. But I did find it really funny that his younger brothers tease him so easily, and he gets really frustrated, upset, super fast. So, um, Nicola finally gets Misha out of the hotel after she changes a lot. And they finally get to go to his mom's place. And Misha's her usual cute self. She's very positive. She greets the mom. Nicola does have to shout at his mother because she can't hear that well. Mom! Her name is Misha! Misha! And Misha is trying to get to know Nicola's mom. She's like, Nicola, translate for me. And she's trying to like hold a conversation. But he has no interest in doing so whatsoever. He's like, you don't need to do that. We don't need to talk right now. And his mom was like... Just looking at him like... Yeah, we need to talk because I want you to get him the hell out of here. And it's funny because when they do the aside with Nicola's mom, she's like, the question is like, what do you think of Misha? And she's like, oh, I think she's really pretty. She's very cute and very nice. I don't know why she's here. <laughs> like, that's it. Then his brothers show up and they can speak English. So Misha's like, great. Somebody I can have a conversation with. And Nicola's like, it's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. No. Um, And then... Uh, Misha tries to get Nicola again to like engage in conversation in Arabic with his family and he tells her no again I don't think he likes talking to his family <laughs> that's just me it's very possible and that's kind of where we leave things it's up in the air about how this, the rest of this meeting is going to go down I don't think they're going to be outright hateful to her I think they're going to be surprised I think they're shocked that he has a girlfriend agreed and she's pretty. Agreed. And she's an American. Agreed. They thought he was down there just popping off with his little tallywhacker down there all the whole time. I don't know about that part, but I'm sure they were like, it's not, not going to be in the cards. They thought he was whacking and praying. Praying and whacking. Do you get the impression that both his brothers are married? I don't. I or don't, they just live away from the home? I don't remember that. Okay. Well, all right. So anyway, on to Calvin's favorite couple, and that's Sattler and Dempsey. So as we last saw, Statler in delusion land was like, I'm going to tell Dempsey I love her and I'm moving in. It's happening. Yes, we've been dating for seven months online and only have been seeing each other face to face the last couple of days. But it's time. It's time for me to tell her. And Dempsey goes, the hell you are. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Well, Dempsey brought up some very strong points after this bomb dropped of, like, not really knowing Statler. Like, she got brand new information that Statler was even still talking to her ex and on top of all of that. You and you, you can move in with me and you're trying to bang your ex and, right before I get back? And this is shortly after Statler told her that she's cheated on a partner before. So she's like, plus her dad was like, please slow down with this one. Because Statler told her dad that she was going to try to move in with Dempsey as well. So. Dempsey's like, we need we need pump brakes. Not we don't have to break up, but we definitely need to pump brakes. And Statler just does not understand why Dempsey's not on board with her about this. You gonna tell me all this stuff? Then you gonna move into my 
uh caravan you done lost your texas ever texas loving mind listen for whatever reason Statler's under the impression that they could just cut out a lot of excess time away from each other if the ultimate goal anyway is just to move in so why not just move in right away rather than build up to that she doesn't get it uh, but apparently their fight was big enough that Statler or not Statler Dempsey made Statler sleep on the couch sleep on the couch so the next morning when Dempsey's leaving for work Statler's on the couch and they have a brief conversation about how like there's a lot of stuff to think about and Dempsey goes to work Statler ends up calling her friend and rehashes everything that happened the night prior and, and Statler's friend, says, friend is like you're stupid she basically was like maybe you need to slow down she's like when Statler tells her that she told Dempsey she's trying to move in she was like, you don't think maybe she was a little overwhelmed by that? And then Sattler also tells her about the whole ex story that she shared with Dempsey. And her friend is like, you don't think maybe she's thinking that you have a bunch of other options out there? And maybe it's not that serious for her to move in with you? Just because you got ADHD don't mean everybody else got ADHD. It's very, it's very interesting. But she manages to, to at least get it across to Sattler that maybe you moved too fast, too hard very possible and maybe Dempsey has some doubts about the sincerity of everything because of all the other stuff that's going on with your ex so don't tell me you love me then I find all this other stuff up you're not moving into this house you lost your damn ADHD ever loving mind I tell you that much Statler reasserts to the camera that the ex stuff was just talk she had no intentions of meeting or pursuing anything romantic um and now she's anxious that Dempsey wants to like break up like end things uh, Dempsey brings up that Statler's declaration just seems so rushed and it really overwhelmed her. Uh, and again, Statler's just like, I don't understand why that's all is, but whatever. Dempsey's whole thing is, this is what got you here in the first place. Right, moving this fast. Moving everything fast. So how about we move it slow and it might work out this time. Statler points out, that she thinks they need to move that fast in order to keep the relationship. She feels like if they draw it out, it's a quicker death to the relationship. Which I, that I don't get. She, she loosely attributes this to how she always felt like she didn't have anybody in her corner growing up an adoptee and in the family that she grew up with. But I, don't, I am having trouble connecting the dots on how we need to move super fast in order for things to work. It's just like adoption. Is it? If it doesn't happen fast, it normally doesn't happen at all. I don't know. So, um, Sattler and Dempsey end up finding a compromise to take things one step at a time for the time being. And they make plans to meet Dempsey's friend. Dempsey is, I get where she's coming from. Sattler is trying to get Dempsey, I think she's using relationships in some way to try to fix herself. Yeah. And it's not Dempsey's job to fix her. Yeah. It's Dempsey's job not to add to her grief or unhappiness or whatever. I feel like that's an impossible task, though. I can understand trying to move in the faith that you're not going to add harm. I can see that. But you can't guarantee you won't do any harm. I'm, I'm not saying... I'm, I'm, I get. I understand that. I'm not saying not any harm. I'm just saying it's not her job to add any more baggage. Intentionally. Intentionally to her. Okay. That's what, that's what I mean to say. Okay. But it's not her job to fix her. Right. No one can fix anybody. Right. So if you're going through a relationship trying to fix somebody, 
give it up, it's not going to work. Or you think it's going to fill a void? Fill a void, Maybe it's not. Because guess what happens when you fix that person? That void's gone. Now what do you do? So why are they still with you? Yeah. Exactly. If, if that was the whole nature of the relationship in the mm. first place. That's why I mean, a lot of people get in a relationship. They get the relationship. They have to fix something wrong. Find out. They fix this person. They fix them. And then they lose interest in that yeah. person. And they don't know why. Or now they're in a better place. So they're not in the same headspace to be in that relationship. And they don't need you. Yeah. Now that person feels unneeded. Yeah. Or unwanted. Because the dynamics are changed. Change. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So next up is Christian and Cleo. And honestly, um, what? Just dropping knowledge on this thing. It was so quick. It's right after their weirdo fight where Christian somehow got Cleo to apologize to him about everything that went down. Um, Cleo is really desperately trying to hold on to this relationship. For whatever reason, Christian's also like, yes, I too am trying to save this relationship. I think this is more about Christian trying to prove something to himself. I think it's more about Christian making sure he shows that he's the good guy. I think no. he's very cognizant of the fact that this is filmed I and get, what this is going to look like. I get what you're saying. I think it's more him trying to prove something to himself. Very interesting. So, uh, And it has nothing to do with Cleo. It sucks, though. It, it's terrible. Anyway, so they they spent the night. We Thankfully, we don't get any status of what happened during that night because we don't need to know. It's not our business. Cleo lets Christian know that the plan for the day is for them to get their astrological charts read by a friend of hers because she's into oh, astrology. God, astrology has broken up more relationships than crack. I don't know how accurate that is, but then that's very um, accurate. Christian basically is like, uh, like horoscopes, astrology. That's not really his thing. Which I mean, that's fair. However, he has been talking to this girl for a little over a year, if not longer, and this is all her thing. So I'm very confused. Why he's like, why would we do this? It, you know it's her thing. Anyway. Um, he says he shares a birthday with Donald Trump. And he uses that as an example of how BS he feels astrology is. Because he's nothing like Donald Trump. That just tells me he doesn't know anything about astrology. That's not how that, <laughs> that's not how that works. That's exactly how astrology works. Nope. Anyway. It's mystical. Mystical magical. Yeah. But it takes into account a lot of different. Anyway. It's point. just voodoo. The point stars. is. Uh, they go and meet up with a friend. The astrologer touches on how Christian's chart shows that he lacks tact and sensitivity, meaning like he's very blunt and doesn't really have a lot of empathy to the people that he's talking to, which is accurate so far that we've that's seen. Accurate. I think so, especially think in that fight that he had with Cleo. The second part of what you said was accurate. I think especially in that fight he had with Cleo. Anytime we've seen him have a disagreement with Cleo, there's no tact. Like when they went to that bar and he started talking to those girls and she was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I don't know why you're having a problem with this. I'm just being friendly. Like it was, please. That was him not paying attention to how she felt in that moment. Empathy, sensitivity. And it was also him. Remember that random story he shared with her about the plane trip and him talking to some young girls and him getting escorted back to his seat? Can we say, can we stop saying talking and say, Oh, <laughs> right. harassing. Can we say harassing? All of that. No tact. Lack of tact in that situation. So. Okay. Uh, which, but apparently all of this is polar opposite to Cleo's chart, which shows her as very sensitive. <laughs> so polar opposites. Cleo worries that they may lean into being a toxic couple because of all of these opposition traits. Uh, Christian asks if she could see if they will last as a couple. And the face this woman makes basically tells you no. Basically, she's like, you could, you could, 
if you're aware of your communication issues and you work together to overcome them, which is a nice way to say, no, no, you guys are very much going to be a toxic couple. So, so Cleo breaks down, cries, and throws herself all over the table. She does not throw herself all uh, over the table. She, now she's doing that slow fall on the wall. Did wall slide. See, wall slow slide. wall slide. Did you see in most uh, videos? Mariah Carey uh, videos, absolutely. Exactly. And I'm like, girl, but, pick yourself up. But she is, it, it, the crying doesn't seem real, in my opinion. Like, it seems like she's trying really hard to show that she's upset. And she might be upset for real. But the crying doesn't look real. But anyway, she's upset about how all of that broke down. But honestly, let's end it. Let's end it. Cut, cut it. And that's all we get from them, thankfully. And that is 90 Day Fiance. She pretty much did the, the wall slide from uh, Deborah Cox and RL video. And I'm still in love with you. I can't remember the name of that song. It's a good song, though. I am exhausted with these storylines. I would like it to be done now. Why are you exhausted? It feels like it's. It feels like they got to the meat of a lot of these storylines already, and now we're just dragging it out until we can get to the tell-all. Okay, okay, I, I, I got what you're saying. I, 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 I got what you're saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to get it out sometimes. Because we have we have another episode coming up, another new one that's coming up, and it's still not close to the tell-all. What are we gonna talk about? Um. What are we yeah, gonna go I, I think this time they were able to wrap up so many stuff so fast they weren't expecting it. Okay. So now they're trying to figure out ways to stretch that stretch out. Stretch it out. Like, cause I think they're editing things funny too, just to make it stretch it out. Mm-hmm. So who knows? We'll see. Hopefully, we can get through this. This is has been one of the more down seasons yeah i would say so well we're here for it i guess (laughs) we'll find out we're here to the end love during lockup (laughs) not after lockup we've recorded this thing like six times now i'm getting agitated and very upset he keeps making inappropriate jokes if you know calvin in real life you know that there's zero filter there's no filter it is just the r gang but in real life in that head. Any, no any, filters. Anywho, let's just go over the previews that we had before. Uh, we talked about uh, what's-her-face. We we were Michael. reminiscing about the previous Love During Lockup couples, like Justine and Michael. So my, she, Justine bought the home in uh, Vegas. Yes, but she bought it with her mom and not with Michael. Which is odd or weird. Allegedly, allegedly. Or maybe he can't because of his... Felony record. Felony record. That's possible. Maybe that's why. That's possible. Huh. And uh, Cameron and his girl and Cameron. having a baby, then Cameron possibly getting somebody else pregnant who's not even in the same state, on the same coast as him. True. So yes. uh, we were saying how the sperm must have traveled through the Gulf of Mexico. We all the way around. were not saying that. Calvin West. came down a faucet and then got into this person somehow, or maybe she took a flight to Florida and somehow got it uh-huh. that way. Anywho, it is what it is. So moving on to Savannah and Jake. Savannah pretty much is telling Jake what happened with Timmy in their whole conversation. Right. Telling him how pretty much she scared. Well, she didn't tell him she scared Timmy off. She just told him Tim left. Yeah. Meth to smoke, chocolate to eat. He had to go. Who's Tim, Calvin? 
Timmy is uh, Jake's friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, he might not be Jake's friend. It's somebody Jake knows. Let's put it like that. He said my boy. So. <laughs> I don't know. Because when she started asking too many uh, questions, mm-hmm. that boy went out the window, out the window quick, and he's like, I'm out. Um, but think of the context. You haven't talked to this person in years. You're you're a friend of somebody who's been locked up for well over a decade. His girl comes to talk to you about maybe helping with his computation, maybe getting his sentence commuted a little early. So you're thinking, oh, I get to rehash some memories to help really establish who this dude was before he got convicted. Okay. You go to meet his girl, and she goes, so lovely to meet you. Hi. So, speaking of crimes, whose idea was it? Was it your idea? What crimes were your idea? What crimes was Jake's idea? Have you ever seen him go crazy? And he's like, with a full full TV crew behind her. And he's like, no. <laughs> no, this is, no, I gotta go. I gotta leave. And so, it was back to back to back to back question. So she wasn't he, coming up for air. So Timmy runs down the street in fear of mm-hmm. all the questions and possibly getting himself in more legal troubles. Mm-hmm. She then gets in a car, calls Jake's crying, telling him what's going on, about what happened between her and Tim. Mm-hmm. Jake's like, don't worry about it, whatever. Just keep it moving. So, Basically, yeah. He wasn't even flinch. He didn't even flinch. He was like, oh, sorry to hear that he didn't stick around. But anyway. So Savannah gets the broad idea to, you know what I should do? Go by his mom's house since I'm already here. They actually have a conversation where she's like, I'm thinking of reaching out to your family. And he goes, no, don't do it. Don't do it. There's no reason for you to do it. Leave it alone. She goes, okay. Then she goes by his mom's house. It's like uh, Pinky and Brain. When they say, Pinky, what you can do today? The same thing I try to do every day, Brain. Brain, uh, try to take over the universe. He says the same thing every time. That is the opposite of what. Brain yeah, the is the way. one who yeah. does that. Pinky said, what are you doing that, Brain, trying to take over the universe? Anywho, he, she keeps telling him, I want to talk to your family. He keeps telling her, don't do it. Right. She keeps glossing over that and keeps trying to do it anyway. Even though they're not picking up her phone calls at all. And she shares that story about how his mom used to be on board with her, but then through a very interesting circumstance, went to a live show, started talking up the bassist, guitarist, whoever, who also used to hook up with her. And I guess she had made a name for herself in that kind of area, which the mom was then like, this hookup story is very close to her dating my son right now. Which I think it's a lie. I don't think her and her mom Is it? I don't think the mom was ever that close to her to begin with. I think it it, it was all made up in her head. I wonder if being nice meant being close. You know what I mean? Because I think every time she says, oh, yeah, me and this person, this family was close, she calls them, they never answer. answer. And then her friends also don't show up, too. Very interesting. Yeah. You're right. That's another sign of... Mm. Delusion. Delusion. Of grandeur. And it either anyway, but but she's also the first one to tell you she's never been faithful in a relationship. That was that's how we got introduced to her. Details, details, not important. Anywho, so Savannah's like heartbroken now that she couldn't get a hold of his mom. She drove past the mom's house, nothing was happening. She didn't drive past the mom's house, she stopped, then called the mom, let her know she was that's true. She just up, showed up there, parked on outside, the street. yeah, and was like, Why isn't she not answering? Calls Jake, and she's like, I'm having the worst day. And he's like, what did you do? Because <laughs> I know you did something you weren't supposed to do. So what right. did you do? And she tells him, I know you told me not to, but I went ahead and went by your mom's 
place. For the love of God, why, woman? I told you not to go there. He doesn't scream this at her, but he does call her stupid and is like, you're dumb for doing this. It's now on you to keep doing this to yourself, which I thought was very interesting wording, but all right. My yelling sounded better than him just calling her stupid. It's Savannah tries to tell him that this is all in her effort to help him with his computation, but he's like, this effort is not helping me. If anything, it's hurting me. So how about you stop helping? Maybe we should get married. Maybe that'll help even more. <laughs> That's really what she really wants to do. She ends up going to go see her friend, Caitlin, a little bit later. Um, she brings out a huge cardboard cutout of Jake's head. It's very disturbing. And then in her conversation with Caitlin, Caitlin is very much looking at her friend like, why are you so involved with this person you've never really fully met? What's going on? Why do you want to be married so bad? Caitlin... Savannah tells Caitlin that the lawyer even told her that if she were to get married to Jake, it would help him with his computation, which was not said. Then the lawyer pops up and yells, that's not what I said. He doesn't say that. But we watched her interaction with the lawyer when she brought up marriage. And the, the look on the lawyer's face was, I guess, maybe. <laughs> maybe uh, what? It can't, much it can't went, hurt. He just went, eh. Mm. So Jake calls while she's talking to Caitlin. Yes. Oh, I said Caitlin. What's her name? Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin? Oh, okay. So Jake calls, and pretty much Caitlin asks Jake a couple of questions. And the way Jake's answer these questions, she looks at Savannah like, sounds like to me someone's lying here. I don't know who, but my guess is you, Savannah. You just don't listen. But she also tries to be a good friend. When she's talking to, they put Jake on speaker, and Caitlin asks Jake, um, why don't you want to marry my friend? Because they had just finished talking about how Savannah got the full backing of a lawyer for this to happen. And Jake resignedly is like, listen, I get this question a lot. I know how to answer it now. Here's the situation. And he points out the same points he's been making. Doesn't want to get married while he's in prison. He's already had too many firsts in prison. He doesn't want to add being married on that list. But then he says something new for us as the audience to hear, which is that he also wants to explore physical connections with women once he gets out of prison and he doesn't want to be married while he's doing that which is fair he wants to get his swerve on dog and you can see savannah's face crumbling and you can see caitlin's face grimacing as she's listening to all of this and she's like well you know we just want to make sure savannah doesn't get hurt in the process you know because she is waiting for you and she's so committed to you and jake is like and that's why i've been nothing but open and honest about what my expectations are in this relationship and then he has to hang up and caitlin looks at her friend and savannah goes he said he might do that he didn't say he will do that and we all grimace i'm pretty sure that's what he's gonna do of course that's what he's gonna first do. thing he's gonna do is try to get laid by some hooker because that's the easy way to get laid needs money to do that hey sometimes you will he need a hooker drugs and hooker i don't think he'll need one they're in in they're in iowa indiana indiana iowa they're over there iowa yeah they're over there yes i don't think he needs to get a hooker in my opinion i don't think he has to get one seems to me like he has a very big reputation of being crazy there exactly so, which exactly. leads me to believe no sane person is going to try to mess with him. Also, exactly. I don't think Savannah's the only one talking to him while he's in prison. I, or sure, whatever. I do think she's the only one talking to him. I, I don't, don't think, think no so. one wants to sign up for that. 
I don't think anybody wants to sign up maybe for the full relationship, but to get it in, I don't. I think they'd be fine. Nah. How good is it really going to be? He's been in jail for 19 years now. I mean, it's been a very long time. So let's just stop there. Unless he's been. But I think it's a mistake to dismiss that he could have other people on the hook. Unless he's been. The whole time he's been I'm just in jail. saying, if another person that's in here has more than one person on the hook, he for sure could have another person. Giggity, on the giggity, goo. He's been giggity, giggity, goo the whole time he's been there. And he's been, he's pretty confident that he can get, have these physical connections with other people. And I think he could. Sure. Standards are low. Oh, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying. That's exactly what you were she, saying. Well, I'm that's just exactly saying. what you were saying. And yeah, once you get out, that's a different story. Uh huh. So we'll see what happens with that. Savannah's uh, delusional. So <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> he basically told her, I'm not going to marry you, and I want to pursue sex with other women. And she was like, that's not what I heard. So so next week in the preview, she's going to get a wedding dress because she's like, I'm going to make him marry me, which is the, this, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh, that's never worked for anybody. Has it? Has it worked? Why do you think it's I'm so I'm thinking long? about the mortician. Didn't work. But she got close. Didn't work. Okay. She got close. Whatever. And yeah. She, she did a whole voodoo ceremony in the cemetery. So, so did another woman. That's true. So, whatever. That's also true. It is what it is. Anyway, on to our favorite couple, Jade and Chris. Jade, a.k.a. Miss Money, a.k.a. I said I could get anybody I want, but maybe I know I can't. So, basically, their conversation was her talking to Chris about how it went with his nieces. That was the episode prior. So, the recap is that she did all that. So, she's just telling them what happened. Going over what happened. Basically, her whole shtick was, since everything is in his name now, maybe she needs to start hiding money and actually do what she's been doing the whole time and actually just go full gold digger, even though she's been doing it already. That came up because she's in a conversation with her sister, Jess about her conversation with Chris after meeting the nieces, where Chris put it out there as his response to the prenup question. Because his nieces had asked Jade whether or not she signed a prenup because she's using a lot of his money. She's not working. And she was like, no. And then she tells Chris that the nieces asked about a prenup. And Chris is like, I don't know why they're so concerned about my money. I'm very responsible with my money. All of those big purchases are under my name. In an effort to make herself still the victim, Jade was like, oh, so you're saying that you don't need me? That you're going to leave me and take all your stuff at you? Yeah, girl. Yeah. Anyway, so she's having a conversation with her sister. as She's driving down to North Dakota, South Dakota? South Dakota. She's driving to South Dakota from Minnesota to go finally see Chris for this prison powwow they keep talking about. So. And her sister's like, I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you took note in your conversation with Chris that he doesn't care about you. So you need to protect yourself because she's a Chris hater for some reason, even though he's paid for the clothes on her back. Um, Yeah. So the thing about that is Chris learned one thing from being with girls who take uses for money. mm -hmm. So now he just put things in his name. Which confuses me because he's for sure a felon, but he was able to put his money, his name down for the house. But Michael wasn't? Uh, because he had the money still. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, that's the difference. He probably paid in cold, hard cash. Did you know? He um has a reputation for 
giving generous donations to people in need from prison. Oh, okay. He's in like quite a few news articles from around that area about how he's given to all these children charities, like generously, huge amounts. Okay, well, I don't think he know how investments work, but if you keep spending the money fast, faster than you invest, eventually there's no, nothing left. No, it's over the years. It's not all in the same time frame. Okay, so. But he has managed to hold on to his, whatever this wealth is, for a while. So, uh, Jade and her sister's big plan is to buy expensive things and hold on to them and possibly sell them That's later what on. Jess asserts. She's like, Jade says, maybe create a different bank account. And her sister goes, maybe purchase big items that you can easily resell. While they're in a store trying to buy alf- uh, outfits. Again, for, on Chris's dime. <laughs> for his pow- powwow. And again, on Chris's dime. It exactly. is dumb. Anyway. So. That's pretty much it. We don't ho- even see her make it to the prison. He's like, ho- hopefully Chris, is, Chris learns and uh, gets rid of her. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen. Only time will tell. So now <laughs> we go to Letitia and Keith. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, Keith, uh, Letitia turn returns home from visiting Keith in prison. You can take it from there. What you can too? Uh, apparently I don't tell enough details. You get upset and you just go right back through the details. We have notes. Yeah, whatever. I don't. Anyway, Letitia is back from Colorado, uh, and we get to meet her daughters for the first time. She's a mother of two. And they were being watched by Keith's aunt. She's talked about how close she is to their family. But if you watch the show, you know to take that with a grain of salt. Because sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But she's really close with his aunt. Yeah. For like some her, strange reason. She, apparently she's able to call on this aunt to watch the girls a lot. And apparently the girls trust her enough to stay with her. Yeah, they're comfortable with this aunt. So Okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So... But, but she's still worried about the whole baby mama drama that she had from the previous episode where her friend let her know that some baby mama was like, when he gets out, it's on. I'm, I'm going to jump this man's bones. So, And then the aunt co-signs that and talks about how attractive her nephew is to the ladies in this area. They like they like a man who has money and has power. She says her biggest worry between Letitia and Keith is that Keith is going to... She doesn't even say Keith is going to step out. She says that these girls are going to come for Keith. She doesn't put any ownership or accountability on him. It's these girls that no are going to trip him into it. No one ownership on their family member. It's very interesting. It's not. It's called delusion. Anyway. Uh, then we get a little bit more history around Letitia and her daughters. Her eldest, specifically, is very hesitant to have any kind of relationship with Keith. Because she has witnessed her mom be in very toxic, abusive relationships. And she's not quick to trust anybody. She's seen too many things. This poor baby clearly has seen too many things. Clearly. She's very reserved. She's very quiet and reflective. And um, when Letitia tries to get her to talk to Keith, she's like, I'm not interested. And when Letitia pulls her aside after their little day out together, she's like, what is the deal, you know, between you trying to create a relationship with this, with Keith, who I'm, I'm married to, you know, who's your new stepdad? And her eldest is like, I'm not going to call my stepdad. And number one, uh, I don't know him. I don't know him at all. He's in prison, and he's in prison for a reason. So number two, and also she's she's got the history of seeing her mom firsthand be in situations that that weren't beneficial to her whatsoever. That's number three, but that should be number one for real. 
So, but to Letitia's credit, she's like, I understand that my daughter is not going to get on board and I'm not going to push her to get on board, but I am going to make it known that Heath's not going anywhere. And I feel like her daughter also understands that, but it's just kind of like biding her time until she's got to deal with it in person. Uh, your daughter shouldn't be picking you up. Yeah. But sometimes that happens. So It shouldn't be. Agreed. But sometimes that happens. We also have Letitia meeting up with her cousin so she can buy, finally buy her wedding ring. She has been married to Keith since last year at this point. I think they filmed this in 2022. So I don't even think it's been a full year that they were married yet. But she's like, we need to get a wedding ring. She tells Keith that she wants a $30,000 ring. She said, nah. Right. <laughs> he said, we got a budget for this. How about ten grand? In my personal opinion, that's way too much money for a ring. For me to put on my hand? For what? Bubblegum machine, same thing. Bubblegum machine, same thing, for real. For real. I'll put that on a necklace. It's fine. We good. Well, she had told me that before I dole all that money out. I love how you say all that. How many wedding rings have I had to buy for you, Calvin, that you kept losing? It's not about me. It's about Interesting. La- Leticia. Interesting. So anyway, she and her cousin go to a jewelry store that is very inappropriately named, in my opinion. Do you remember what that jewelry store is called? It's called Knickers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. N-E-C-K-E-R. It, it's just, it feels, it feels precariously close to the edge. Knickers Diamonds. It feels... I understand that it's probably literally somebody's name. I don't name. know why she thinks it's so bad, but it's It's neckers. so close it's right. to another word. Whatever. And when we go, when they show us inside, the people, and diamonds. the people working in this store, all white. Anyway, so Letitia's in there with her cousin. And she's like, I'm not here to get a cheap ring. I'm here to get a good ring. I'm like, all right. She finds her favorite ring, she, but it's too cheap. Yeah, she finds a ring she really likes. It's twenty one hundred, so it's two thousand one hundred dollars. She says that's a cheapie. Let's try for something else. Then she sees another ring that she really likes, but this ring is fifteen grand. It's fifteen what three hundred? Yes, fifteen three hundred. And she's like, ooh, because she has a budget of ten. The shopkeeper is like, hey, sometimes it's better to just do and ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission, because <laughs> she's about to get this commission. She wants this money. And Letitia's like, you right. That is what I'm going to do. So she's like, yeah, I know it's over budget. And he's going to be mad. But I'm just going to get this ring. And I'm not going to tell him how much it costs. You know, if she chokes you, she's not going to be there to stop him, right? Listen. when the Just for, for, for record. When the boutique owner is like, how do you want to pay for this? And she flips out that credit card and comes immediately back with that diamond ring. Clearly, there was no problems in trying to get that. So anyway. Whatever. She's it's like, all fun and games until you can't, your fingers don't work to put that ring on. She's like, I'll just deal with the consequences. It'll be fine. Like, okay. All right. I want to save Renika Asante for last. So Keith's like, hey, in the, the next episode, he's like, hey, there's a lot of money gone. What he the says, hell happened? He says there's five grand gone. <laughs> he's like, ugh. Which is very interesting. So we shall see. So Brittany and Karak. Sarok, Karak. Every time. Um, First of all, it's an angry person. Two angry people together. You don't think Renika and Asante are not angry people? No, they're stupid. Oh, okay. Anywho. There's a difference. Stupidity. 
that's another that's a whole nother thing and level. The level of manipulation and control that's happening between Britney and Karak is very concerning. It's very concerning. I'm not concerned because I think just like Karak think he can kill everybody, I think Britney will kill everybody too. So it is what it is. I'm just saying Britney's got a lot on the line. She is completely isolated from her family. They get mad when she talks to her friends. I don't care if she think if she if she, she I don't think she cares if she, she goes back to jail. I think she does care. I don't think neither of them care if they go back to jail, honestly. Maybe Karak for sure, but yeah, I think she they're cares. They're jailbirds. Brittany so, talks about how she doesn't want to go back ever. Yeah, whatever. Um, so Brittany hasn't heard from Karak in a minute. A, a couple days. So it's this is right after her missing the what was it a fo- video call. It's right after her missing the video call. She was supposed to meet at a certain time. Completely forgot about it. Tried to get on the call with like three minutes left of the call. And Karak was pissed. Um, when we pick up with Brittany, she's getting a call from her friend Carla from the inside. And she's asking Carla how Karak was after missing that call. And Carla's like, yeah, he had an attitude. He was mad as heck. Carla also shares with Brittany that a fight went down. They were having some kind of party. Which is very interesting that you're having a party at the prison. And so somebody was trying to step to Carla. And according to Carla, Karak got in the mix to help her out. And now they're banging together. No. But Brittany is concerned that Karak could get themselves in trouble and potentially get more time at it. They're so close to getting out. So then Brittany, Brittany gets, gets a, get, come, come outside, Brittany. Uh, Karak's brothers asked Brittany to step outside because Karak's got a surprise for Brittany, and it's a grill. And I would I would be confused as heck, but the brothers are so excited. Yeah, they're so excited. It's an apology grill. What? This is the same brothers that don't like her. They feel like she can't be trusted, and that Karak is wasting his time. I'm confused. What's that little uh thing you like? Get, you like to get the stuff in it with the bowl, but you gotta put the eggs in it. The stuff in it with the bowl, but you gotta put the eggs in it. Yeah. What? You get the stuff, but you just gotta add egg, instant egg, or whatever it's called. What? Instant egg is a separate thing. It's literally egg, liquid eggs. So you talk about? Whatever. It's like a little cup thing. You got the meat and all the vegetables in it, and you just gotta add eggs and then heat it up uh-huh. in the microwave. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Scramble. Scramble. Yeah, they came with scrambled steaks. The size of that. The steaks are little. It's very. Yeah. It's like it's like they took a regular steak and cut it. It cut it up. It's a force. Yeah, it took me a while, but we got there, people. It's very interesting. Also, they haven't prepped this grill. They're just throwing the steak. <laughs> they didn't clean on it. The, on the they grill. didn't put nothing on top of it. They just started using it. <laughs> so, which was insane. Brittany is like, okay, this is cool. And then she gets a call from Karak. And Karak is like, you know, I wanted to surprise you. This apology gift. You know, with the fight that we had about the call. I know you used to talk about how your family used to grill. And she's like, yeah, my family used to do carne asadas. And so she's real thankful about it. She's thanking Karak. And then she's like, let me talk to you real quick. And then Karak also gives her $300. Oh, yes. she He has his brothers give her $300 cash. And they display that like she won the lottery. I was like, what is Cash money. What is going? Which also makes me wonder how much cash you think Karak gave his brothers. I don't know. Very Probably enough to get the grill and steaks. I don't know. No one knows where the hell these people are getting their, their money from. Brittany keeps saying that it's because Karak invested in laundry room services. 
a laundry mat. Oh, sorry, laundry mat. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, but with a lot of you don't make your money that a lot of times, especially because you got to keep all upkeep is a lot. First of all, usually you're dealing with, I mean, you're dealing with cash, but you're also dealing with a lot of coins. So you have to buy equipment to count all of that. You've got to deal with maintenance fees to keep up your machines because they go down a lot. Sounds like she's possibly washing money through that laundromat. He? Sure. He is. It's very interesting because earlier episodes show Brittany saying she's got to drop off cash uh, for deposits for Karak from his business. And it's all cash. (laughs) The laundromat deals with straight Mm. cash only. Interesting. But laundromats only deal with cash anyway. So. But they usually have deposit bags. She just had a thing of cash. Anyway. She might and have usually, had it in the bag. Usually, she took it out you, put, you, you drop all that off at the bank. Usually, you can't drop that amount in an ATM. It's very interesting. So, anyway. I'm, we're pretty sure illegal activity is happening. It's all, this, all this money's here. But, anyway. Allegedly, allegedly. She's trying to talk to Karak about the fight she heard about from Carla. And instead of Karak being like, it's got nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. Nothing happened. Karak immediately goes, why are you going to believe other people's stories about me and not me? What? Um, now, Brittany is sitting there act, trying to figure out why would Carla make that up. Is she trying to break her and Karak up or whatever? Why? I don't know why we jumped to that conclusion. Why? At all. Uh, nope, I don't understand either. And why it turns into Brittany apologizing profusely to Karak. Whatever. It's, it's the whole conversation's weird. And it ends with Brittany being like, you're right, I shouldn't have never asked. Like, what? Anyway, that's where we end with that. And then, honestly, the best story, but they didn't, clearly they didn't give us everything because they're trying to stretch this out as long as possible. Renika and Asante. So, Renika's on the road again. Real quick, before we go any deeper, what was your theory about Asante? Because the recap is that Asante sprung on Renika. He's not getting out the day he said he's getting out. He has new charges. He has to make bail. The earliest he'll be out is three days from his original date. What was your theory about that? Uh, It was all made up. He had another girl picking him up. He wanted to spend time with that person. He wanted to spend time with that person. So... Renika's on the road again. And uh, she's going to pick up Asante. Yes. All of a sudden, she tries to call him. His phone is all of a sudden not working for some strange reason. It says it's disconnected. It says it's disconnected. And she's like, what is going on with that? Then she calls the state prison that he was being held at. And they go, he gone. He's been released. And And she goes, released? When? So yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> the day before today, you got on the road. That day. Then she calls the prison that he was supposed to be transferred to because he picked up county charges and he was supposed to go to like a county jail. He no here. They said we don't have nobody by that name. But, okay, so I also wonder though, because he's got more than one name. What name do you think the charges are under? It'll be under his government name. Okay. They might put your street name in between your government name, but it, it's going to be under your government name. Well, I read a lot of rap sheets, and sometimes it's the nickname. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't change typically is, like, the social. 
Yeah. Okay. They use your nickname, but they also use your government name. I'm just wondering if this person was looking through it and if this the name was under the nickname and not under the government name. Because she says the government name first. Okay. What? Sure. My the other theory we have is the way they made it, they cut it up to make it look like mm-hmm. he's possibly not there, but he's actually there. And they just want to draw it out to make more suspense. I mean, it worked. Renika's <laughs> so, over here flipping out because Asante possibly is out early. She goes to call. She pulls over to a truck stop because she's so flustered. And she's like, let me call his family. I've got a number for a cousin that he's close to. She calls that cousin. Turns out that phone number is not to any kind of cousin whatsoever. They've Bird's never like, heard of Asante. Who the hell is Asante? <laughs> they don't know who Renika is. They don't know nothing. And Renika goes, Huh? You you were waiting, huh? You couldn't wait. Yeah. You couldn't wait. I wanted to use that. Why? You anyway. got these buttons here. You might as well use them. No. Anywho, so now she's at the the truck stop flustered and bewildered. Flustered and bewildered. She calls. I thought it was a friend. Javon said it was her sister. Yeah. She her, sister. Her, sister, her sister literally says, you know what your dumb ass need to be doing. You need to get on that road and come on right back. Uh-huh. Evidently, this dude is using you. Right. But she's like, I got to still find my man. Evidently, you might, your, man, your man don't want to be found right now. Right. So get your dumb behind on the road, get them kids, and come on back. Right. I'm like, I tell your dumb, dumb behind, you know what you need to do. Whatever, I'm, I'm done. Bye. Mm-hmm. And her sister pretty much washed her hand of it. Right. Hangs up. So, it was also a weird conversation because at first it's Renika being like, he's, done it, he's doing it again. He's driving me crazy. And then it quickly becomes, but he's my man. And I'm going to stick by him. How's and I'm he already driving out here. you crazy? He can only do what you allow him to do. So he's not driving you crazy. You're driving you crazy. She's, she's just, she's just, why is she doing this to herself? And that's where we end things. We don't get to see what happens after the truck stop. They're going to string this out to the next episode. Which apparently the show's almost done. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, I think because Love After Lockup is about to start, right? It is, but I don't think it starts right away. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, this one is. This one's actually going by. The good shows always go by fast. <laughs> the good shows. Yeah, the good ones always go by fast. The boring ones go on and on. For real. But this one looks like it's going by really, really fast. Because mm-hmm. it got some good dumb couples. That's why. That's some good dumb couples. But yeah. yeah. We didn't see uh, what's his name today, Andy and uh, Brittany, Brittany today. Right. I also wonder how much story they got. So they're going to be in Love After Lockup. I don't think they got that much story to be on Love During Lockup. Uh-huh. I think their shenanigans going to happen after, uh, during Love After Lockup. Okay. Are they on there? Uh, Brittany and Andy, yeah. Yeah, that's when all the hell is going to break loose for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure she's going to take his money and go buy the meths. Not the meths. And he's going to cry about it. And his girls are going to disown him. Uh, His police friends are going to turn their back on him. Mm -hmm. And he's just going to be sitting outside in the rain because he's crying. He didn't want nobody to see his tears. So he's just, I wish it would rain. Stuff like that. (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, the next Love After Lockup's not going to be there until September 15th. That's right around the corner. You know that, right? Not around the corner. You know it's the end of August. I think we have a, either an episode left or two episodes left. It's right around the corner. All It'll right. be you go. We'll go right, right, right into dirt. Love during your lockup. Mm-hmm. I'm kind kind of glad they did it like this though. 
Okay. You like this, the pacing of this? Yeah. Oh, speaking of randomness. I remember Monique and Derek from Love After Lockup last season. Yeah. Okay. You know Derek is is dating a 2B producer and will be in a 2B film? Stop. They're Did not together? Did you know that uh, it might be a 2B film based on him and Monique's relationship? Monique's not together, is she? They're no, not... they broke up. Okay, then. He's now dating a 2B producer who's also a big girl. Oh, God. Let me show oh. you pictures. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Look, it's going to be a horrible film because all mo- all Tubi does is gets horrible films. Listen, but we eat it up. We eat it up. Secondly, they're they're providing so uh, much opportunity for indie black filmmakers right now. Hoochie Daddies all the way live. Who else? Where else would we have seen it? Oh, and they're getting I, a second season. For, and they're getting a second season. I forgot about Hoochie Daddies. And the Lord said, let there be stupidity. And they gave one of us another season. She said it's going to be in a different location. I, I'm hoping it's going to be in the DMV. Stop. Please be it's, in the DMV. It can only be somewhere. Please. There, there, Please this be one in the is DMV. where in Florida. Jacksonville? Yes. They're going to be in Tampa. That's, like- <laughs> that's all they're going to do. They're going to move right up right that's to Tampa. The, that's, that's a different that's location. It. That's a different location. Not a different state. Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Hilarious. Or Beaufort, South Carolina. There'll be something right up the street. <laughs> or Savannah, Georgia. Something like that. It's not going to be anything like you DMV. think. They're going to move. Please. All, almost all of their contestants were out of the DMV. What you going to do? Go to the, the to the shoots and stand in the, in, the, in the background like part of the crowd? Yeah. Oh, my. So you can sing the theme song. Hoochie Gosh, Daddies no. all the way live. <laughs> Stop. On outside. Stop. Yes. Stop. I'm going to get some duct tape. I'm going to put it on my chest. Go dance. Go make some money. Mm. That's right. I would so want to do something illegal right now, but I can't. What? Whatever. So that's it for love during, during lockup. Yeah. They don't have to stay on the line while that's why you're trying to fight this picture for me, do they? <laughs> no. Why will you put them through this? Do you guys know that we have an email account? Email addresses we like that D A T podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we like that podcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and hit us up with what you are watching and see if we like that. Because we might like that. We really might. And we'd love to hear from you. Anywho, welcome. I posited an idea that we'd talk about bad movies. And Calvin said what he usually says, which is, okay, sure. So, we were going to do one movie, but we changed it because, for reasons unknown, DC finally released The Flash onto streaming. What's the name of the segment? Do We Like That. Okay. Where we talk about bad movies and whether or not we still like them. Something that we don't like? That's That's not what it's called at all. I said, do we like that? So, we watched The Flash. We've watched DC's The Flash. <sighs> yeah. It, this was a movie that was predicted to make huge box office ratings around July 4th, I want to say. It came out for like as a summer blockbuster, and it didn't. Um, it currently has a Rotten Tomato score of 64% from critics and 83% from fans, which honestly is not that bad. 
but it was a DC box office bomb. They have oh, okay. they're not going to be able to recoup the money they invested into this film in sales, unfortunately, at all. Why? I read somewhere that in order for a movie to be profitable, it has to make 1.5 times what it costs to make. And this movie costs a lot to make. So almost two times what it what they put in, they got to get back for it to be a successful film. And they didn't do that with this. They were predicting it to be a 75 to 85 million dollar opening weekend. It was only a 55 million dollar opening weekend. I so. think movies are going to have to the movie companies going to have to look how they did, look at how they do movies now. Uh-huh. Especially with streaming and to people not really going to the movie theaters anymore because mm-hmm. they can't really afford it in their budget. Yeah. So Inflation is I think insane. it's going to change the way movies are done uh, for now on. Well, there's also a writer's strike happening right now. So there's a writer's strike and the actor's strike is still going on. That too. So if any movies or TV shows come out, they're all going to be independently done, which I think story-wise would be very helpful. This will be projects that wouldn't normally have seen the light of day. But it also means, like, what's the caliber that you're going to get? A lot of people are saying we're going to get a bunch of reality TV, which I could see. So, but anyway, all of that's happening. Uh, The synopsis for this film is basically The Flash uses his superpowers to go back in time to try to change events of his past. It's It's loosely based on The Flashpoint Paradox, which was a comic run and... DC has done animated features of this already, uh, retellings of this, where Barry decides he's going to go back in time and stop the murder of his mother, whose name is not Martha, surprisingly. What's her name, then? I have no idea. It Okay, so this movie, they try to push, like... Uh... We're still talking about the synopsis. So, he goes back in time. Sure kind of aware of the ramifications that it could change things but he feels like the bigger risk is not to do it at all and really just wants to save his mother but when he does so it changes so many things and it causes so many more issues and he finds himself at a crossroads of whether or not he should figure out how to do this and keep his mother alive or go back to the way things were so he just goes back to the thing, way things were. Spoiler. Actually, he doesn't. That's why the ending was the way it was. But we'll get into that. So spoilers, 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 spoilers. If for whatever reason you're waiting to watch this movie, watch it already. So, so he did change something. Remember? Because remember how it ends? Remember Bruce Wayne's not the same Bruce Wayne? Oh, yeah. So anywho. um, Let's get into the breakdown, shall we? I just think they they try hard to push diversity. Which was cool, but it felt forced. Um, when where was this opinion when we were watching it? You thought I was crazy and a white person. Yeah, whatever. You're racist anyway, so it doesn't make sense. This anyway. conversation came up because when we were watching it, I knew that they changed Iris West. So Iris West in the comics was a white girl, blunt with red hair, and it was a whole thing back when they first st- started trying to make this movie back in 2013 that they were going to have Iris West be black. Because around the same time, the TV show, The Flash, was coming out on CW, and they had done the same thing. They made their Iris West an African-American woman. And there was a lot of bros out there who were like, this is redhead erasure. Um, So I knew that going into the film that they had already made their Iris West a black woman. 
what I didn't realize was that they made their berry also somebody of ethnic origin as well. They made his mom Spanish. They don't really say where she's from, particularly, just that she's a Spanish speaker. I think they did this because they know everything is going to be rebooted anyway. So they're like, screw it. They didn't. So they didn't know that at the time. This has been going on since 2013. The only thing they had, well, they had to do script rewrites and they had to do reshoots because when they ran it through test audiences in its earlier stages, it didn't go well. Plus, they went through at least six directors that had left the project before they finally found one to finish it. And this was already almost done. Ezra Miller, who stars as The Flash, also took a turn at writing the script at one point to try to get the script off the ground. The movie has been a mess in the background. It's been insane. And then on top of that, where did I put this? Oh, I put it all on the... It just ended up being a huge flop, and I'll get into why more of that after we talk about what this movie is actually about. So we start off with Barry in a rush. Because he's got to get to work. Do you know what he does for a living? Was it clear in the movie? He's a forensic, uh, whatever, forensic person. Yeah, he is. He's in forensics. Um, but they have him as like a junior level forensics analyst. Well, for some he reason. can't get hired in that because he's a superhero. And he's never on time. The weird thing, though, is that in the comics, that's not, a, that's not the case. And I'm not sure why they had that as a barrier for him in this. Once again... They're revamping everything. Who cares? But, I mean, that's after. So this was made before they knew that, though. That's why they try to tie it in with all those other superheroes. I think they made all these decisions after they found out they were revamping stuff. They couldn't because it was already done. That's why they also couldn't get rid of Ezra Miller. Because it was already done. Some things you can, some things you can't. I'm just saying. uh, I mean, because that is an argument out there that they just went with they just said yes to all of these things because they knew it was going to get revamped but again this is a project that's been going on since 2013 it's a 10-year project i think they didn't really shoot anything i think they were still trying to get no they did shoot that's why they could again that's why they couldn't get rid of ezra miller after all the controversy that comes down on their lead they couldn't get rid of ezra miller because everything was already in the can when did all the stuff start happening to him recent recently so yeah that's about like maybe a year or two. Uh, okay. I'm just saying, did it happen a year or two ago? It happened. The movie was done and in the can by 2021. Ezra's okay. stuff started happening 2022. Okay. It came out in 2023. I don't. So sounds like to me, I don't think they wanted to release this movie, but they put all this money and effort into the movie. That's the other conversation. And they just pushed it out. That's the other conversation, was that they had already did all of this. There were contract obligations to get it released. And it didn't matter because they were going to do the reboot. But the writing in the film, my argument is, the writing in this film didn't know at the time that they were getting the reboot. So studio heads and whoever else was a part of this film saw what a mess this was and said it's fine and pushed (laughs) pushed it out. And in the correlation of the other movies that came out all under this DCEU moniker, so Suicide Squad, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, it still fits, like, in terms of mess. Aquaman. In terms of, like, disjointed storytelling and a lot of loose ends, it, it, it fits. Because this movie has a lot of loose ends. I, I don't... I think DC is... Wasn't expecting Marvel to be such a success. As it has been. 
Okay. So now they're trying to play catch up. So they're just trying to get everything they had, I guess, shelved out of there so they can start from scratch. Well, so they, well, let's finish the, the summary of it. And then we'll get into the flop and, and get into all of that. So like I said, this starts off with Barry being late for court. He's a forensic analyst. Uh, he gets hit up by Alfred that there's also an emergency happening that he needs to help with. In Gotham. Yep. Yeah. Or was it Metropolis? No, it was Gotham. Okay. So he goes to go help Batman. Um, there's a building that's falling. Also, there's bad guys who have bombs. I don't even know what it was. The bad guys took some type of... Uh, was it explosives? No, it was some type of uh, chemicals that could... Like destroy or kill a lot of people the point was it was vague as heck and it didn't matter so they just needed him to be out there to show case fighting ability apparently there's a whole scene in there where a hospital is falling it's crumbling and there's a baby unit where all the newborn babies are and they're slowly but surely falling out this window and it's a very elongated process of the flash figuring out how to save these babies while being low on fuel and a dog and a nurse. And it just takes very long time for them to show how he saves all of this. Then he finally gets back to court. He's late. And um, was it court or was it his job? His job. Either way. Just his job. He's not liked at his job either. He has these two co-workers who aren't really his friends. They just immediately start bagging on him. He's got a boss who's like, I'm disappointed in you. You're constantly late. You should be more than just the coffee getter. You also have an aspect of Barry's perspective where he's like, I want to take my time with these cases to make sure we get all of the details for these people that it affects. But you have all the people around him who are like, who cares? Open and close it. It doesn't matter. Do we go back to that? No. Then he meets up with Iris West outside. Iris West is a reporter for the area they're in. And I'm not sure why she wanted a quote from him. But she's got to be in the film. So she's here. No one knows. So she's like, hey, can we just go have a talk or whatever over some beer? She starts talking to him about his dad, who's currently in prison for the murder of his mother. That happened 18 plus years ago. But I'm not. But she doesn't discuss whether or not she's actually working on a story for that. She's just we just need to show the love interest. Her and Barry talk at his apartment and it's flustering and awkward. But it's also Barry realizing she kind of gives him an idea that he might be able to make some changes. Prior to his conversation with Iris, he figures out how to go back in time accidentally. He's on the phone with his dad, reminiscing about his mom, trying to figure out how to get his dad out of jail. And in his frustration of and, not, grief. and grief of not being able to control any, any of those elements, he starts running as fast as he can, which then ru- turns into him running faster and into the actual speed force, which is a thing that they have created for the Flash. And then he starts running backwards. And as he notices that he's running backwards in the speed force time frame, he can turn events backwards. So then he has this conversation with Iris. And then he's like, maybe I can go back in time, save my mom. He runs this idea past Bruce Wayne. Well, he's talking out loud to her while she's sitting there. and She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, thank you. This is a good talk. And then runs out. Right. But this is also after his conversation with Batman about trying to go back in time to fix things. And Batman staunchly telling him not to do it. Played by Ben Affleck at at this point. Because it's going to change. 
then he makes his plan to go ahead and do it anyway. He's going to figure out how to go back in time without actually interacting with people, but still changing the elements around him. His idea is to go back in time to help his mom. He feels like everything falls apart because she forgot to buy a can of tomatoes for a recipe she's doing. Because there's a point around her murder where she sent the dad out to go get this tomato she needed and she was attacked and murdered by somebody. I'm just realizing now as I'm saying all of this, we never actually, he never actually sees who murdered her. Who? Doesn't see who murdered her. Flash never actually sees who murdered no, his mother. He just sees... The aftermath. Yeah. In the comics, Reverse Flash is who killed his mother. And he was a baby at the time. R- Barry was a baby at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But in this movie, they don't touch on it at all. It's very weird. So, he goes back in time, gets his mom the can of tomatoes, slips it into her cart without her knowing, um, and then is trying to make his way back to the present, but he gets knocked out of time by somebody that's attacking him in the, the time force. Speed force. Speed force. He, he doesn't know what year he's in. He just knows he's somewhere. He ends up going back to his childhood home in the hopes that maybe his mom is there after he's changed all of that. Why? Dude, we would never know. Why just didn't keep trying to run again and get out of there? Why didn't he just try to run again? But he doesn't. So he goes, he goes to his childhood home, sees that his mom is alive. She's older. She recognizes him. He says, sees his dad. She says, you cut your hair or whatever. He's like, okay, whatever. What do Right. I think he thought he made it back to his time. No, he knew he didn't because that's why he was asking, what year is it? No, I think at first when he went to visit his mom, I think he thought he made it back until she started asking certain questions or something. No, because he was, remember the couple he steals the clothes from? Yeah. He, he knows he's not in the right time. Because when he's looking up and down the neighborhood, it's not looking like it was when he went back the first time. It looks younger. Okay. Uh, then, once again, why did he just keep running? That's a great question. He doesn't, though. So he goes and sneaks back back to his house. He sees his mom is alive. He's so happy. He sees his dad. And he's trying to piece together what they think they know of him. And they put out there that he's supposed to be in school. He's like, yes, I am supposed to be in school. And um, he runs into his younger self. He sees his younger self coming towards the house. And he's got to intercept him. And that's when we get two berries. Here's my question. Why? Why what? Why does it intercept himself coming to the house? He's still under the impression that it'll cause an even more catastrophic event if his parents realize that there's two of them. I, I don't... I don't... It, how would they know? Loose ends. Well, they would see both of them. If his younger self came into the house, they'd see the berry that's sitting with them and then they'd see the other one coming Well, through. he he left out the house. So the other berry's coming to the house. He's already out the house. He's gone. But he wasn't already gone. He looked up to see through the window to see that Barry was coming. Yeah, then he ran out the house. But he used his speed to do that. He then, did. He, then if that's the case, he should have just used his speed and kept fucking going. I agree, but they didn't choose that because they needed him to interact with this person for some reason. Uh, so he meets his younger self, and that's when he starts getting into details. His younger self's only 18. It's uh, the day that he was supposed to get his abilities. He's having this whole conversation with his alternate timeline self. And realizing that there's a little bit of inconsistency about certain things. Like, there's no Superman. There's no <laughs> Wonder Woman. All that kind of stuff. 
he also realizes that if his timeline counterpart doesn't get his speed force powers, he'll probably lose his speed force powers. Again, that's an assumption. It was weird. Yeah, so he thought. So he takes his alternate timeline self to go to the lab where he first got his powers. But in the... I, I get, they start fighting. They start talking about what's going on and fighting about who's going to get electrocuted. No, his self in that timeline didn't want to get hit with chemicals and electrocuted. He's yeah. like, dude, that's not safe. Well, yeah, it's not safe. But And so they're fighting, and instead of Barry moving out of the way so that this other person could deal with it, he also gets hit by lightning, and it goes through him into his timeline counterpart. In that process, he loses his ability. But his timeline counterpart does get the ability. And now Barry's stuck. The Barry we know from the timeline we know of Justice League and all that stuff he is just stuck. stuck. But his younger counterpart now has all these abilities, but he doesn't have any of the experience to go with these abilities. He also doesn't have the same drive to use his abilities the way our timeline Barry does because he hasn't gone through the loss of a mother and all of that other stuff. So then it becomes, the rest of this movie becomes Barry from the timeline we know Honestly, maturing and growing up, there's a lot of call outs to how annoying his younger counterpart is, which is honestly like for the audience, because in a lot of the other instances where the Flash shows up in the other movies, Justice League, Batman vs. Superman, people had a lot of comments to say about how his personality was developed. And he touches on all of that. Um, Eventually, they're like, we need help. Let's go. Talk to Batman. So what happened was, kind of, sort of, he's talking to the guys. Well, Barry. Well, Zod's here. Yeah, Zod shows up. Zod shows up. So he's up. like, oh, so Zod shows up. He's like, so, I guess he's talking to his self's friends in a group. And he's like, where's, so you guys have Superman? Like, who's Superman? Right. Wonder Zod, Woman. Who's Zod's Wonder back. Woman? He's yeah. like, we need the Justice League. They're like, who's the Justice League? He's and, like, Superman. Who? Wonder Woman. Who? Yeah. Aquaman. Uh, who? Did he said, uh, what's the dude, the, the black guy? Cyborg. Cyborg. He's like, they're like. They don't know any of those people. And they also was like, back in the future? He's like, yeah. Um, he, he was saying it's similar to back into the future. The younger Barry is t- saying that to his friends because he says that this is his cousin, <laughs> cousin yeah. Barry. But then they openly talk about the alternate timeline. And yes, they, t- they compare it to back to the future about how he knows all these events. And they're like, yeah, Eric Stoltz is the man. And he's like, that's not who plays Marty McFly. It's, it's, who are you talking about? It's Michael J. Fox. And he's like, who's Michael J. Fox? Exactly. So everything's thrown off. So Which is also a callback to another, was, was Back to the Future WB? I think they were a Warner Brothers production. I don't know. But Eric Stoltz was originally supposed to be Marty McFly in that storyline. But the test audiences, it didn't work well with the test audiences. So they changed the lead entirely, and that's how Michael J. Fox came into that position. So now they're off to find Batman, because he said Batman, you're like, oh yeah, there's Batman. Yeah, but, uh, him naming all these superheroes, they said Batman does exist. They know about Batman, but, but he hasn't worked in years. Yeah, they haven't seen him in, like, decades. Uh-huh. So they go to the Wayne Manor. Yep. Which they actually caught, like, a taxi or something. Yeah. Not even an Uber. Anywho, they go to Wayne Manor. It looks run down. Looks like no one lives there. Yeah, it looks very old and like decapitated. Yeah. Not decapitated, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incapacitated. There yeah. you go, that's the word. But it's also, if you're a fan of old Batman, Batman from like the late 80s, early 90s, that's his exact kitchen. Okay, yeah. 
So it was definitely a shout out as to who to expect who's going to be playing this Batman character. It kept a lot of the aesthetics from back for the callouts kind of the same, which was cool. They had to. That's how you make it. But that's how you make it a call out. Sure. Calvin. Anyway, I forget what they call it. It's not a cookie. You know what I'm talking about? Easter egg. Easter egg. That's what it is. Sure. They, they had a lot of Easter eggs. So they run into this timeline's Batman. And this timeline's Batman is Michael Keaton. So here's where things get confusing if you're a person who likes the comics. Okay. In this paradox or whatever, Bruce, Batman is supposed to be played by actually Bruce's father. Not played by. Who's supposed to be, uh, what's his father's name? Thomas Wayne. It's supposed to be Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. Right. Because in this paradox, instead of the uh, Bruce uh, Thomas Wayne and his wife dying, Bruce somehow ended up the one who's ended up getting killed by the guy who's supposed to be the Joker, and it actually sets off another trigger where his dad becomes Batman and his mom actually becomes the Joker. In if you watch Flashpoint Paradox, the animated version of this, that's what happens. It's Thomas Wayne who's Batman. Uh, instead of the parents dying, Bruce Wayne's the one who gets shot, and the aftermath of that is Thomas Wayne seeking, you know, justice and revenge, but Martha Wayne going crazy. crazy. It becomes the Joker. You know what would be cool? But so, they didn't go that route for yeah, this film. They Sometimes if you just stick to what's already out there and just make it. I want, so Michael Keaton is actually Bruce Wayne. We were wondering if he's going to be Thomas Wayne, but yeah. no, they had him be Bruce, just older Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I wonder if they did that so that they could literally attach all these callbacks because it's the original Batmobile that they find in that cave. Yeah. The cave is the literal cave from the 1980s movies. Batman. Yeah. A lot of his Batman gadgets, the outfit, all of that is from his turn as Batman. Yeah. So I, I can see why they're like, now we're just going to make him Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. And it also opened the door for the rest of the Bruce gags that they have. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. But also lame. So, (laughs) well, their little funny moments were pretty good. That's the best moments of the movie. The callbacks, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, but they do. They team up. They end up teaming up with Bruce Wayne. They manage to talk Bruce into helping them. Um, and they're like, Zod is a major threat. We need to figure out how to get rid of this threat. We need to find Superman. Ba- Barry from our timeline is like, we got to find Superman. He's the only other person that could help. And no, of course, no one's heard of Superman. But ba- Barry uses Bruce's tech. To see if there's any reports from NASA about a spacecraft landing. And they find something. They see that Soviet Russia. Well, Batman dropped some documents off to on his computer while Barry was sleeping. But it's still the results so, are that yeah. they found a pod that landed in, in Russia. Russia. So they, make, they hatch a plan to go to Russia to see if they can get Superman. And then, you know, get rid of this Zod Batman situation. decides to join. He has to join. They have no other way to get there. That is so true. Uh, and they go. So they end up going to Russia. And they're making their way. I- I'm amazed at how well they're able to make their way through this uh, security compound. They technically they really didn't. They fell down and all hell broke loose. They had them. to get through the other security to get inside and for all the hell to break loose. It, that was the weird. And all of it was weird. But yes, they once they're inside, they're supposed to be sneaking around and get to the pod. But the new Barry we have from the new timeline is not graceful. He's knocking into stuff. Everybody sees them. So now they got to run. They end up running and finding the pod. But when they get to the pod, 
they just seen a emaciated woman and they don't know what this is. Bruce is like, it's not him. Let's go. <laughs> Barry, our timeline, Barry is like, we got to save her. Clearly she's in need of help. They grab her and then they try to make their escape from this Russian compound. Manage to make it. Get outside. Get surrounded. Get surrounded. But the girl they saved starts healing immediately once she's in that yellow sun. Da -da -da -da, she's Supergirl. She manages to save them with the ability she was able to acquire from the sun. In the comics and in the Flashpoint Paradox film, it's, it is Superman that's trapped in a government facility. It's not in Russia. It's in the U.S. for the animated film. But the whole point is that he's not the same Superman that we would know. Usually Superman's this huge beacon of hope and charity. But because he was brought up in a government program, he doesn't have any empathy like that. Because he he's never seen it before. But for Supergirl, for this film, it's just immediate. It's a, it's a, it's, she gets abilities. She immediately knows how to fight. Zero qualms about it. They make it out. They end up going back to Bruce Manor, Bruce Wayne Manor, where she can heal some more. She gives a short story about how she was in an adjoining pod with Kal-El, which is Clark, uh, to make sure that he made it, but they must have separated, and she doesn't have much memory past that. But the point is, they don't really develop this character at all. She just shows up. We know she's affiliated with Superman. That's it. Then she takes off. To go, I guess, check Zod out or Well, something? they tell her Zod's here. They tell her the reason that they broke her out on top of helping her is that there's a threat from Zod and a bunch of his other Kryptonian buddies where he's just going to demolish the world. And at first, she's like, that's not my problem. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm -hmm. But then she does. She goes and checks out Zod. She remembers, or they stipulate in here, that she remembers Zod not being a good guy on Krypton. She goes to check him out. And he's not a good guy again. He's like, where is your alien? I'm going to murder you. He murders somebody. And she's like, Ooh, maybe I should help. She ends up going back to Wayne Manor. At In the this, meanwhile, though, this time, Barry has decided he needs to get superpowers because they think she's gone, gone. So they try the old-fashioned strap to electric chair away. But by creating their own electricity. So it's a whole setup where you're like, yes, he's in an electric chair. They've got a bat kite flying outside to try to catch uh, a lightning. lightning strike from a storm that's accumulating. And everybody, new timeline Barry and Bruce Wayne are like, this is crazy, you're going to die. And he's like, we got to try something. It might work. So they electrocute him. It doesn't work. And somehow he survives. <laughs> and he's like, do it again. He's like, uh, are you sure? He's coughing up blood. <laughs> like, it's he's like, like, yeah. So... The generator fails. He's it's, like, it's fried. It's fried. It doesn't do anything. All of a sudden, Cora, Kara, Kara, gently comes down out of the sky, lands, picks him up. Immediately knows what they're doing. Apparently, apparently, but she has super hearing, so that's why. But but that's something we have to allude to. They don't show her listening at all. Well, yeah, but they at least show that she can hear everything when she was up on the roof when she was trying to get healed again. Right, but again, I felt like that didn't to me that didn't make sense because she's been flying and fighting for a minute. Then all of a sudden, she's like, "It's so loud, I can hear everything." And then she's fine. Then she's fine. She goes back about her business, and then she just shows. We know why she's here. We know she's here to help yeah. our timeline, Barry. Yeah. 
But I, I, in my opinion, it just felt really weird. Anyway, she breaks him out of the electric chair. She Shakes flies him up, him up to the to clouds. Sky, to the clouds. Where he gets electrocuted again. And for whatever reason, this one works. So now we got two flashes, a Supergirl and a Batman. And they're like, okay, let's go after Zod. Um, it wasn't a good plan. So they go out there to face off Zod. And it's our timeline Barry trying to talk to new timeline Barry about what to do and how to like manage this fight they're about to do. To new timeline Barry's credit, he's never fought anybody. He barely has a grip on his speed in the first place. They made a very good show of how he is very impulsive, doesn't listen, and constantly gets himself in trouble. When he first gets at speed, he causes a huge car accident. He also like accidentally phases naked into people's homes. He has no grounding on how to use his ability, but they expect him to fully be able to protect himself in this crazy fight against other Kryptonians. So while he's speeding around fucking stuff up repeatedly, he gets cut in the face. Uh, like Supergirl goes to fight Zod. And at first she's, she's winning <laughs> at first. At first, she's talking to him, yeah. and he's like, she asked him, what happened to Khalil? Khalil. Khalil, whatever. She was like, he didn't make it to Earth. I'm sorry, you should leave. He was like, yeah, he didn't, because we intercepted him. We got him. Well, he gives her this whole speech about how he's trying to create a new world for Kryptonians. Yeah. And that he thought Kal-El was going to be the key to that, because Kal-El was supposed to have the vial that held the Kryptonian DNA. Yada, DNA, yada, yada, whatever, yeah. Which he did get, but he said the infant... Didn't make it, which means he got rid of that infant. But then he also tells Kara that their hope that Kal-El would be the key was incorrect. It's her. They need her blood to deal with it. Do they explain why that is? Do they go into detail about that at all? No. So, But she's pissed because her cousin's dead now, who she was supposed to be protecting. So she starts fighting Zod, and at first it looks like she's winning. But reflecting on it, I think it's just a bunch of sucker punches because he's not actually hurt. She pushes him into that metal chip mm-hmm. she gets a nice couple of punches here or there but he kills her <laughs> like pretty easily he very easily kills her which sets new timeline barry off on this whole we got to go back in time and fix things they also try to establish that new timeline barry has a crush on kara but that whole him videotaping her flying and he's like i need it for our children he manages oh. to convince old timeline barry they can go back in time to, to sort it out. Because in the process of Kara dying, Batman also dies. He has a malfunction with his ship. And he crashes it into a, one of the Zod's pods. Because he couldn't eject. Right. It, he, malfunction. Eject, yeah, had a malfunction with the ejection button. So they're out of Batman and they're out of Supergirl. And New Timeline Barry's like, we got to do something. So they decide to go back in time. And they try to fix it. But it just keeps happening over and over again. Yeah, Bruce no dies, Kara dies every time. Everybody keeps, it's the same two people keep dying. And in the process of that, New Timeline Barry is like picking up all these sharp implements from fighting these Kryptonians, shards of their shield or whatever weaponry they're using. is getting embedded into his body. But he's also realizing it's the only thing that penetrates them too. It's the only thing that's causing hurt. Yeah. So he's just getting all these sharp things Attached to him, and it's becoming very clear that he's the scary thing that was chasing Barry, our timeline Barry, in the first place. 
They keep trying to go back in time. It's Barry, not working. Barry realizes this is formidable. It's nothing they can they can't do to change it. This mm-hmm. timeline is supposed to die, I guess, or whatever. The t- well, the new timeline he created, those two people, the fixed event is what he says. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep happening. But new timeline, Barry is like unacceptable. We can figure it out. And then we see scary flash come through with all the sharp implements. And it's very clear that this is like older timeline Barry who's been trying to go back in time all of this time to figure out how to save his mom and save his friends. And it's literally driven him crazy. So he's like, he can, the old, the scary Sharpie flash tells our timeline Barry that he's the reason why Barry did this in the first place. He implemented the idea and he also pushed him out of the timeline to make sure that it would go on the path that it's going so that he can get more time to figure out how to fix everything. But our timeline, Barry, realizes there's never going to be enough time to figure out how to fix things. So just making things worse. And then we get this insane CGI graphic scene of all these different timeline universes of Batman, colliding. Superman just colliding with this timeline. They show each planet with its own dedicated color. And then we get all of these callbacks to people who have held the mantle of playing these characters. It's a lot of Supermans. We get one old Flash. That was like, that was, uh, I want to say his name is Jake Garrick. It's like 1941 or 1940s back. It's original uh, style Flash with the helmet and everything. We see him running and he looks over. Then we see 1930s Superman. We Mm -hmm. see Christopher Reeve. Mm -hmm. We see Jack, not Jack Nicholson, uh, Nicholas Cage's Superman, which is not something that existed. It was on the docket to be something Kevin Smith was at was slotted to be the director for it but studio wanted a certain type of storyline where it was Nicolas Cage's Superman against the spider Nicolas Cage's Superman was supposed to be the Superman that was raised by the government they were going to focus on that storyline and have him be that Superman and have it be a little darker okay but then the studio heads were like no we don't want him to fight a person he's got to fight a spider so you see it happen as a as they're showing all these different universes. You see a Nicolas Cage Superman facing off against a spider. Who else do we see? I think that's it. Adam West as Batman. They hit, we hear his voice and we hear um the Joker, the Joker from that time frame too. But it it is nostalgia on on a hundred. You get to see all it's all CGI, so none of them look like real people. But it if you have been a fan of these stories for a long time, it's a nice little it's a nice little moment to see all that come through. Sure. But it's also Barry saying, Barry watching all of this happen and being like, they're collapsing in on themselves. We have to stop. We're going to ruin everything. You've got new timeline Flash who doesn't understand. You've got the Sharpie Flash who's like, you're wrong. We have to be this way. He moves to try to kill Barry. But in the process, new timeline Flash gets in the way. He ends up destroying himself, essentially. Which also doesn't make any sense. But anyway, they're both gone. New timeline Flash and Sharpie Flash gone. So now Barry decides to go back in time and pretty much undo what undo he's done. what he did. He ends up going back to that grocery store. With a twist. Well, he ends up going back to that grocery store to try to get that can of soup back out of the shopping cart. He ends up talking to his mom, who 
they show going out of her way to be very kind to a stranger who seems to be going through it. Gets the can out. And before he leaves, realizes he could probably do something else to help his dad. All of this started with him, his conversation with his dad. They're trying to find circumstantial evidence to prove that his dad was not at home when the murder happened. The evidence they found that they were able to clean up showed his dad, but he never looks up so they can't identify him as his dad. So what he ends up doing is moving all those tomato cans to like the top shelf so that his dad has to look up and the camera can catch his face. When Barry finally makes it back to his original timeline, goes to court, that's the video that plays. We get to see his dad having his hearing and we see that Barry was able to fix this one thing. You, you see his dad look into the camera. He gets exonerated. He's no longer on trial for the murder of his mother. We end it with Barry asking Iris West out for a date. And then he calls Bruce to talk about how, mu- how much has changed. How he didn't take his advice. He did go back in time. He messed up a lot of stuff. But he's finally fixed it. Bruce tells him, don't worry about it. I'm right here. I'm about to get out right now. When he gets out, Bruce Wayne is... George Clooney, I guess. George Clooney. Not but he like, who the fuck are you? He does say that out loud very hard. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at him like, I'm Bruce. What are you? <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. But basically, he went back in time to not mess with the timeline and then ended up messing with the timeline anyway. So, it ends. If you stay past the credits, you also get a random cameo where it's Flash and Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. And Aquaman is drunk and not paying attention to any of the story that Barry is telling him. It's actually a funny little scene because he crashes onto the ground and falls asleep in the puddle. Hilarious. But it was pointless. It it made no sense. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it didn't go so. anywhere. Like, my summary for this movie is, it it was alright. I just think they, like, the whole push with all the, changing all the people to be, like, ethnic and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it seemed a little forced. I didn't understand. And I'm like, you didn't, if you go, but I, I think I know why they did it. To be inclusionary, absolutely. I, no, I think it was just because they knew, they. I think they probably knew they weren't going to make their money back on this movie. I, I think they knew this movie was going to be Their decisions what it was. for casting and all of that was done years and years and years ago. So they already had this in motion whether or not they knew the money wasn't going to come back. Okay. I just felt it was it's like they changed things they didn't need to change. The, so for me, what I liked about it was the nostalgia that they factored into that. It very much felt like they were trying to do Avengers Endgame. Do you remember? Yeah. Especially that last scene where they bring out all the Avengers and all of that stuff. Sure. While also trying to establish that there's a multiverse like they did with Spider-Man. They're trying to do both those things at the same time. Okay. He said, okay. (sighs) What I liked about it was the DC nostalgia. I liked that they touched on all of the people who played these characters before. Bruce being played by Michael Keaton was a nice callback. He was my first Batman ever. Seeing Christopher Reeves, even though it was all CGI was nice again it was nice seeing that I superman up think on the screen michael keaton made the movie better than what it was going to be without him i agree um and like calvin said it's the movie itself actually it wasn't a slog it wasn't hard to get through this movie and it had a lot of funny points it had a lot of moments where we laughed out loud 
Ezra Miller actually does a very good job of playing off of themselves by playing two berries. I didn't think that that was going to go really well, but they actually did a very good job of playing two of the same character, but with slightly different personalities. They did a very good job of that. Um, the biggest dislikes for me was that this means nothing. None of this means anything. This, the DC universe is about to be rebooted. It's destroyed under, and rebuilt again. It's, it's about. It's under new leadership. The same heads that were trying to do this whole thing, saying that the DCEU started with the new Superman being Henry Cavill and all of that, and we're trying to say it was all an interlocked universe when it never was. It was all separate things all the time. They left. So now it's James Gunn, another guy named, um, I want to say Saffron, who were like, we're just going to reboot everything. And there's been a lot of stuff in the news around these guys of how they're not bringing any of the people who were established as characters back. We have two Batmans out here, technically three. You have the Christian Bale Batman that they were trying to loop in into the DCEU, and then they gave up on that with Dark Knight. Then you have Robert Patterson Batman, and then you have Ben mm. Affleck Batman. Yeah. All at the same time. You've got two different Jokers. You've got Jared Leto's Joker, Suicide Squad, and Justice League, um, the Zack Snyder edition. But then you also have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, who's also about to get a sequel. And they said those are standalones. It doesn't make sense. The whole thing doesn't make sense, which is why Gunn was like, we're and just going to reboot it. All of these dudes are trying to redo the Joker better than Keith Ledger. <laughs> Heath Ledger, I should say. I think but true. here's my other thing. He, I don't even think that Heath Ledger by himself is, a, is the only Joker. Jack Nicholson's Joker was amazing. Cesar Romero's Joker from the 60s was amazing. Yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker, also amazing. I am not a fan of Jared Leto's Joker. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> like, no, that exactly. I watched the movie. He was in Suicide Squad. He had the girl and all the tats. Oh, uh, I completely forgot about that. Did, I, you, did you ever watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Snyder Cut, no. It was all in black and white. No. You didn't watch it? Because he, no. he's in that one, too. In the Snyder Cut version of Justice League, uh, Jared Leto's Joker shows up. Whatever. It was horrible. Because he tried to make the Joker like a... Uh, Chicago gang, like a thug gangster. Well, I, well, so that was Suicide Squad under a different director, <laughs> a different director. Yeah, Joker and that Mo one, yes, was supposed to be like this—a thug, like a punk thug, yes, with all these tats and a grill and all of that crazy stuff. But then in Zack Snyder's version of it, he was slightly different. He didn't have all the tats, but he was supposed to play like a sociopath. Anyway, it didn't matter. None of that matters because none of it's connected. In in this movie, they also try to connect it. We had cameos from Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman in addition to Ben Affleck's Batman and Aquaman, but they're not connected to the storyline. You get these cameos, but they're not connected to the storyline whatsoever. I think the best part is when Wonder Woman lassos Batman and he tells the truth why he can't say thank you. <laughs> he's like uh it was interesting that he also talks about how like if i really wanted to save gotham i would just give away all of my money and end poverty which is an argument a lot of people have about batman's character but eh, I, it, it was fun but i can see why it still flopped you want to go into the reasons why this movie flopped why did it flop so the controversy they feel it was the biggest overshadowing for the film 
Ezra Miller had a lot of legal issues going into this film. He was um, kidnapping folks. They. Ezra Miller goes by they, them pronouns. Whatever. He's kidnapping folks. But he was... Ezra Miller was also slapping folks. What kicked this all off was an assault that happened while in Hawaii against a woman. And then they assaulted somebody else. Slap! Cold and blood. then it came out that they may or may not have abducted a minor with them. Then... This is all... These are all allegations against Ezra Miller. Then there was a time where people felt Ezra Miller was on their socials mocking the police about how they will never find them. And then it just got quiet. Then it just got super quiet. People were having their own conversations and discourse around Ezra Miller's antics, but it got real quiet. Then the movie starts coming out and people are wondering if this movie's even going to come out given all all of the stuff that has come out around their lead star. Then it becomes evident that it is coming out because they've put too much money in and, and finished this thing for them to then change it to somebody else. Then there's conversation about how they're just going to throw this out there to kind of establish a multiverse so that when James Gunn does their reboot, they'll be able to be like, well, we kind of stipulated that with this movie. Then we also have changes in DC film leadership when Batman versus Superman came out. That was under Snyder. Then you had Justice League, which came out under Joss Whedon. Then, then you had the Aquaman films that came out under a completely different director. And at that point, they had gotten rid of Henry Cavell as Superman. Then you had all of the other DC movies that came out that didn't connect at all. Shazam. The other one, the rock one. Uh, Black Adam? Black Adam comes out. Which right? is actually pretty good. I feel like that's another movie we should do because it didn't do well with critics or audiences. I know why, but. I feel like that should be another one we do because I enjoyed it as well. So then, but then you had Black Adam that came out and you had the rock being like, I'm bringing back Henry Cavill as Superman. And he did. Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill shows up as a cameo at the end of Black Adam. Yeah. But then it doesn't go anywhere. Because he pissed a lot of people off when he did that. Yeah. So then, so but then it comes out, James Gunn is taking over leadership. And then they're rebooting everything. Then you've got Gal Gadot saying that they're going to be redoing Wonder Woman, but that she's going to be a part of the project. And then you've got contrasting stories coming out saying that James Gunn and them never agreed to that. And they don't have any plans on doing that. So DC has a universe that's not connected has a gazillion of the same characters in different film projects, and nothing makes sense. So there was that. Um, also, you also had this extensive marketing campaign for this film that came out, where for whatever reason, they got Stephen King, Tom Cruise, and James Gunn himself to come out and be like, this is one of the best superhero movies we've ever seen. And then people watched the movie and were like, what movie were you watching? What is the best superhero movie? Well, what do you think? What's your favorite? I don't know. Uh, Iron Man was really good. The first Iron Man one, was really good. The first one. Second one. The third one, not so much. Um, oh, God. The original Batman was really good. Yeah, what? Um, Black Panther was all right. Black Panther was really good. Um, Black Adam was alright. Yeah. 
uh and uh Batman uh what was Christian Bale? The uh oh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight was really good. Mm-hmm. Um the one they had with uh Bane uh in it too, the Christian Bale one with I Bane. I like that one. It was alright. It was alright. I think it was like the last one because Bane's oh, in it, Catwoman's I in it, and Robin. In the dark. Watchman. <laughs> I was bored in the dark. Oh. I did love that everybody was like, Why are you using this accent, Tom Hardy? What's going on with this? <laughs> did you know and then people found out Bane was supposed to be Mexican and they were like, What? Yeah, he's really Mexican. He's a the mask is a luchador mask. Exactly. He calls people bruja all the time. <laughs> all the time. And people were like, what? So. Which that's the, the least shock of any of the villains you should be about. It was just so funny. If I had to say who what my favorite superhero movie is. All the Superman sucked. Actually, I think that's what I would say. I would say Christopher Reeve's Superman, the first one. Would be my all-time favorite. Was that the one with Richard Pry in it? No, that's the third. I think that's the third one. The Whatever. first one is us getting the setting of him being Clark and Superman, meeting <laughs> Lois Lane, meeting Jimmy Olsen. No, I'm going to lie to you. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen none of the Supermans. We might do it. but Please, God, no. It's actually really good. Anyway, that was, oh, cause that was my, first, my first one. Um, outside of that, I would say Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Will Smith, Charlie's their own. He plays a drunk superhero. Oh, Hancock or Handjob? Oh, Hancock. Yes, that Hitchcock. Hancock. What superheroes he would dis- I didn't even know he was a real hero. I thought they made that up. No, he so that's based on a comic. Hancock's based on a comic. And the whole story is that they think he's an alien that landed who has all this ability, but he's an asshole. He doesn't he doesn't care about people. So he doesn't actually actively save anybody. They just know that he's super strong and nobody can really like put him in a prison or anything. So they're just aware of him is the whole story. And the whole story is how he goes from being this huge asshole to starting to care and help people. He meets a brand manager who can kind of help flip that story because he accidentally saves the brand manager. That's what happens. But then destroys everything in the process. Yes, but he did save the brand manager (laughs) and the brand manager tries to help him through it. We find out through that process, the brand manager's wife is just like Hancock. And it turns out they're, they are um, ying and yang of each other, basically. Yeah. And together, he gets weaker. Yes. When they're together, they turn human, basically. Um, she says that they were gods. They're basically deities. But when they're together, they turn human. So it's easy to kill them. Because they had other people that were just like them, and they all got dead. Um. And it also tapped into racism because it talked about how they have always, they always tried to be together. And then it got to a point where, oh, his worst fight was in like the 50s Mm -hmm. because he was walking around with her as his wife. And he's this black man with this white woman. And these people beat him nearly. That's how he lost his memory. Mm -hmm. He got beat so bad. She was like, we can't keep doing this. Either we're both going to die or he's going to die for sure. So she left, and as she left, he started regaining his healing ability, but he lost his memory in the process, and he thought he had been alone this entire time. Turned out he wasn't. It was great. I liked it. The best part of that movie is when he was in jail, he told that dude, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to shove his head up your ass. 
The best part to me and was when, that, when he terrorized that French kid. What French kid? There was a kid that was bullying the son of that brand manager on the street. And he was like, oh, because the, the kid's name, he thought the kid's name was a girl's name. He's like, what girl is bro- bullying you? And it was a boy. And then <laughs> when he goes to face the kid, the kid's like, I'm not scared of you and spits on him. And he goes, and he threw the kid. Remember? Yeah, he threw the kid straight up in the air. In the air, and that kid is gone. <laughs> gone. But then the kid comes back down, he catches him, but that kid is hyperventilating at that point. <laughs> but I, I, I like the idea of these superheroes who aren't immediately like, for the better of humanity, I'm only, I'm Boy Scout good. I like that they have these lived experiences that tainted their perceptions of it, but choose to do good anyway. Like Black Adam. Yeah, anywho, uh, Flash is, is an okay movie. If you need to get a quick movie you want to watch real quick for dinner, it's a movie you can watch real fast. If you like superhero movies and you enjoy DC, it's not a bad film. It's not. Is it disjointed in certain areas? Yes. But it's also not a bad film. But I also understand people not wanting to support it because Ezra Miller's in it. Yep. Which people are saying were was the biggest factor. Somebody did a breakdown of who actually went to watch this film in theaters. 73% of people that went to watch this in theaters were men. And people are saying that uh, for a lot of women and children, they didn't go to support this because of all the controversy that was going on. Okay. So, okay. So, this being a flop and this being seen as DC's worst movie overall, would you say this is DC's worst movie or would you say it's in line with everything else they've put out? No, Justice League was worse. Batman v Superman for me was the worst. I did, I never even watched Batman vs. Yes, Superman. Yes, you did. I made you watch it because that's how we saw Jesus Superman. Oh, don't even remember it. Martha. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't even remember it at the, all. For me, the worst movie DC put out was Batman vs. Superman. And that's saying something because they really hyped up Suicide Squad to be something. And then when that came out, the questions that came out, the questions abound. And they had to reboot that, too. Suicide Squad 2 was rebooted by James Gunn. Oh, and that's when Idris Elba was, like, the yep. Okay. So, but... Are you interested in seeing what James Gunn is going to do with the new universe? No. You know Blue Beetle's out? Okay. You don't even know what that is? There's a guy who gets in a beetle suit. Yeah. He, no, it's a space beetle that attaches, like a symbiote, attaches to him, and he gets the ability. I think uh, his father is supposed to be, or uncle is supposed to be, um, the George comedian. Lopez. George Lopez, yeah. yes. he's in that. But uh, no one's watching it. Oh, wow. Okay. It's been out, so it, so that's out. And then there's going to be another Aquaman 2, and that's supposed to be the end of the old DCEU movies. I think it's a lot to do with uh, uh, where we're at in this society right now, in this country, too. Mm-hmm. That they're not supporting some of these films mm-hmm. because it's too diverse. I don't know about too diverse, but it—I mean, it is more diverse. Yeah. So it's also a mess. So I can see why people are like, "I don't need to watch it." Mm. Said, mm. But there you go. That's it. Thank you for listening to We Like That Podcast. We like that. Remember to subscribe, give us five stars, and tune into more chaotic episodes. 
I'm Javon. I'm Calvin. Until next time. Later, people. Oh, yeah.